huge news, years in the making, my brand new book that my publishers refuse to publish, Money Matrix. Beat the money system and build generational wealth. Understand the three main ways that the banks productize you and make money from you. You'll be able to turn that system against itself, build generational wealth and multiple streams of recurring income. It's all at moneymatrix.cash. And if you're quick, the first few hundred registrants and buyers will receive many special bonuses from me. The brand new Moneymaker Summit three-day special event. Meet me at a champagne reception. Meet me at a multi-millionaire networking dinner. Go now, moneymatrix.cash. This is huge. Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. What does the word disruptive mean to you? It means going beyond the ordinary, going beyond the status quo. Not thinking in the conventional way, not just sort of following the herd. Disruptive means taking things up, you know? Disruptive entrepreneur is somebody who sees the problem and embraces the problem with a new way. Shake up and awakening. Quality will take care of itself and you'll go from being disruptive but also profitable. When you use your own reservoir of talent, when you love what you do, then you disrupt. Mix it up, change it up, and dominate. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Hello and welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. It's producer Harry here. So today's episode is with Alan Barrett, who is the co-founder of Grenade. For those of you who don't know, Grenade are one of, if not the biggest, sports supplement and um, protein bar brands in the UK, if not the world. They've only been trading for about 10 years and you can go into your local Costa or Starbucks and you can't get a dairy milk bar, but you'll be able to get a grenade protein bar, which is outstanding for a company that's just 10 years old. Alan explains his whole career in great detail. He explains how he was a PT making £70 a week and how he started several businesses, exited, reinvested the money and did that several times until around about 2009, 2010 where he explains how he perfected the formula for the perfect protein bar and he grew and scaled the business grenade to be worth over 250 million pounds. Not bad for 10 years work. And Alan explains how he is going to turn grenade into a billion dollar brand just within the next five years. So this is one of the most diverse discussions we've ever had on the podcast. We talk about everything in business, you know, hiring staff and hiring your friends and how to build a billion dollar brand. It was an absolute pleasure to have Alan on the podcast. So he also has another podcast called Pull the Pin. Uh, go check that out. Pull the Pin podcast. It's the Grenade podcast with Alan if you want to hear more from him. Long time listeners will know, but we also have a YouTube channel, official Rob Moore. This is where we put all the video interviews on. So if you want to watch the video with Al, hop onto official Rob Moore YouTube channel subscribe to it and watch. So let's get straight into the episode with co-founder of Grenade, Alan Barrett. But finally, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. We were having a tour around your house. Thanks for showing me around. You're welcome. Uh, that and was a quick tour. Yeah, it's a big place. Yeah, we'll uh, do the proper tour later. Yeah, yeah, I look forward to that. <laughs> and um, we have to have a game of pool because I can play pool. Oh, I can't. Oh, so okay. that pool table's not been used probably since my birthday, my 40th, which was three and a half years ago. Mm. So, yeah, we can't. You'll win. Okay. Um, <laughs> then, but, yeah. then we're definitely playing. <laughs> yeah, no problem. It's okay. We'll just, we'll go on the virtual reality afterwards. We'll, yeah. go on, we'll play Rambo. Cool. And yeah. I'll lose that. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we were having a conversation in the kitchen and we were both talking about 
retiring quite young and you flippantly yeah. said well yeah um how many people have a hobby and it turns into a quarter of a billion pound business so um do you think that's one of the reasons why grenade was successful because it wasn't your first business maybe you took a different approach or outlook to it I, 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 and firstly and really kind of you to say about grenade being successful and i know it is but we don't think of it that way because we just feel like we're getting started mm. so it was our 10th anniversary uh, last month actually and we just feel we're getting started because we're learning so much all the time. And what we've what we're doing has never been done before, certainly in our industry. That I just yeah, we kind of think of it as, as day one. So I think it'd be really interesting to look back perhaps another ten years mm. and think actually yeah, what what was successful? As in maybe it's smaller. Hopefully it's a lot bigger. Yeah. Uh, but who knows? But you know, this week for instance, we got our first. Well, we got a global partnership with Shell petrol stations. So, which is fantastic news, but then we kind of got the news and then we just, we just moved on to the next thing. We were actually in a board meeting at the time when one of the guys told me. It was only that night when um, uh, Liam messaged me and said, we're only the fifth brand to get this globally. Mm. So I'm like, okay, who are the other four? And it was Mars Wrigley, Unilever, PepsiCo and Mondelez. Mm. So all of a sudden then, that global partnership just got so much bigger because of who else has, sure. has got one. Um, but yeah, we don't consider ourselves successful. And also, yeah, I think because, don't get me wrong, it had to work, but it was very much a hobby that turned into an obsession. And I do think they're the best businesses that aren't that don't set out to make money, haven't set out to actually build a big business. Because I think you'd think about things very differently if you set out just with the goal of, of making money, for instance. You know, we actually... We wanted to just physically make a product, make something, in our case, weight loss, so a, a weight loss product. We wanted to just make something that was uh, iconic or would become iconic, was really effective uh, because I was sick of trying stuff that just didn't work and promised a lot. So I wanted to have something that did what it said on the tin um, and I think just solve a problem that lots of people have. Mm. So there's no such thing as a magic pill with weight loss, for example, but... You know, we, we come up with something that helps suppress appetite, help burn additional calories, you know, versus placebo, gave you a smack in the face before you went and did cardio, all things that people struggle with. Mm. So we just set out to kind of solve problems mm. and, and have fun um, yeah. and do the things that we like doing. I'm really into military stuff, so it's a good excuse to drive tanks around, really. <laughs> we'll come to that in a moment. <laughs> okay. um, you said something in there I want to pick out, uh, uh, which was you said um, we did something that no one has ever done before. What was that? I think what we are doing, and say we as in as in the team, um, we've we've made a, a a brand and certainly specific products in the brand. In this case, you know, I'm looking at Carb Killer. Um, we've made it sort of the best selling chocolate bar in the UK mm. for a product that is. So you it know, sells more than Mars bars in the UK. It does, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, gro in grocery, in wow. singles, and grocery, yeah. So it's the number one selling chocolate. So bar you've in the redesigned UK the chocolate bar, basically, yeah, yeah which hadn't been redesigned for probably 20, 30, 40 years. Mm. I mean, most of the top 20 in chocolate, some of which goes back to, you know, Cadbury's Dairy Milk, which goes back to, you know, sort of 1900s. Um, but, you know, Mars, Snickers, Kit Kat. One of the newest chocolate bars, actually, in the top 10 was something like Whisper, wow. which is 30 years old. Yeah. Um, so no one had disrupted chocolate before. And certainly, Got the word in there nice and quick. <laughs> nice, <Yeah. laughs> nice. 
So no one disrupted that. And we didn't set out to do that, but it kind of happened as we evolved mm. into it. Had we set out to disrupt confectionery, it probably wouldn't have worked. Yeah. We kind of did it um, by default, really. And again, I think the only thing that was disrupting chocolate was other chocolate. Yes. Um, so if, if someone had said, we're going to make a low-sugar, high-protein bar, and it's going to outsell the best chocolate bars in the UK, I think mm. they'd have said probably we were crackers. Mm. And had we done that from the outset, the timing wouldn't have been right. Um, so the market wouldn't have been right. And I think we wouldn't have had a brand that people could get behind and trust like they do with Grenade. Yeah. I think that, you know, the best thing we did with Grenade was build up our, uh, our credibility and our authenticity in kind of fairly specialised channels, working with elite athletes, the military, people who were really interested in specialised sports nutrition. We kind of created something there that was very trusted to a, a handful of people. And I think if you can, if you can be meaningful to someone that's hopefully then you, you can broaden that. You can kind of be meaningful to everyone. I think if you're meaningless to someone, then you'll be meaningless to everyone as well. So I think the fact that a lot of the military, for instance, relied on us for products and still do yeah. um, has been has been really powerful. I always liken it to the car industry because I'm into cars. So I think, you know, look at a, look at a Range Rover, for instance. You know, it's it's come from the, the, the Defender. Um, and that was just basically a vehicle to export, sell to farmers. It wasn't something that... They didn't set out to build a luxury 4x4, yeah, quite yeah. the opposite. But because that was so good at what it did, it kind of it, it built that reputation as a 4x4. And now people want one, just to take the kids to school. Mm. No one needs a 4x4 to take the kids to school. No. You know, unless you live in Namibia. Um, so, and I think that's kind of what we've done. They've kind of built that credibility in something quite niche. And then, and then once you've got a trusted brand, um, you know, you have to treat it with a lot of respect because you can lose trust a lot quicker than, it, than you can gain it. Um, but I think once you've got the trusted brand, then you can you can broaden it, and hopefully that's still what what we're doing. And now more and more and more people um, are aware of us, and people just I think as we get excited about it, it's infectious, and just people get really excited about it. Mm. And we're just doing something special. So yeah. hopefully, long may it continue. Yeah. Well, I've definitely got a sense of your energy, passion, and enthusiasm here. You've been bouncing around the walls of your own, own house. And, terrible. Yeah. No, it's, terrible. It's not terrible at all. It's refreshing. Um, because I think sometimes people get a bit beat down by business. You've know, got to make profit. For some people, are, they've got to, they're responsible to board and shareholders. And business can be hard. And you seem like you make, you're making, your energy makes it look like business is easy and fun. And I think that it, it would be see, great to see more leaders have that um, outlook and attitude. No, Forget about the Brexit, forget about coronavirus, forget about all these things. Let's just have fun making a difference. Yeah, I mean, def and to that point, I think I'm quite lucky that I know a lot of people who are way more successful than I am and I see their energy. And I, I genuinely believe that if I don't care, why would anyone else? So yeah. I think that does kind of start start from the top. You see it with the likes of Richard Branson, you know, really cares about mm. his airline. And I know that for a fact. So, you know, because he cares, everyone else cares. If he just kind of sat on his laurels and just thought that's it I've, 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 I'm, you know I'm, I'm done it would only ever be downhill from there so yeah. I think we all have a responsibility to kind of keep pushing forward because we're not here for, for, for long yeah. um, and you're right business is brutally hard no matter what business you have I think no matter whether it's large small whether you employ one person a hundred a thousand people it, you know if you're good at it it's not easy because you always want to improve it um, and I certainly have my moments and, you know, again, James is here, James will testify, you know, I get kind of quite sort of, you know, get get quite tired as you do. So it, it's hard. Does tired mean angry? Does tired mean tired? No, I, I don't think, I don't think, um, I don't think, I don't know, do, James, I what, do I get angry at work? What does he get when he's losing it? I've never actually been that angry in yeah. the three years that I've been at Grenade. 
I right. get frustrated. Yeah. Frustrated, yeah. Yeah. Not, like angry. Yeah. But obviously, if you're passionate about something, you get. Frustrated. Do you ever get down? Uh, no, I wouldn't say. No. I wouldn't say I get down. No, I don't think so. So, um, if you have a big and, problem, what's your initial trigger? Do you go into fixing mode, or do you go into why me, why now? What's the, the process of getting out of a big problem? I think I'm probably very much. I think where we have problems, which you always do in business, I think probably, hopefully. I'm more of a kind of a wartime general than a peacetime general. Right, yeah. So I think I'm like, right, we're doing this. Rally we're the gonna yeah, rally yeah. the troops, exactly. Yeah. I think if everything was going sort of swimmingly well, which it, it never does at Grenade, to be honest, <laughs> but if it was going swimmingly well, I'm, I think I'd perhaps find that harder. Right. Um, but when you say, you know, it depends on how you, uh, how you can qualify down. Yeah. Because, you know, 99.9% .9 of the time, you know, I'm – upbeat and you know and happy and and you know hopefully sort of fairly pleasurable to be around but then if you have the one day where you're in that if you're if you're always at 99 percent, if the one day that you're at 98 you're down aren't you mm. yes but, so it's relative yeah, yeah. exactly so I, I do think kind of the higher the high the lower the low yeah um and i think a lot of the stuff that we're doing and probably you know I've done in terms of some of the places I've been and people I've met hasn't quite sunk in yet because we're always, which is a shame, but because we're so busy, a lot of the time you don't really have chance to reflect on it, kind of pat yourself on the back um, and, and keep going. And I keep promising myself that we must get better at this because, I mean, you know, take the shell thing, uh, you know, this week. I mean, that was that was yesterday. That was the same day as we launched what we think is probably going to be our best selling bar of all time. They were both on the same day, so does one diminish mm. the other? Today, you know, we're, we're doing this, which again is a great um, privilege to be able to do. You know, obviously, it's a, you've got a big show and whatever, so I think it's great to be able to do this. Tomorrow, we've got something that I can't announce yet because it's embargoed for tomorrow, but we've we've got something big we're announcing tomorrow. Something Thursday, <laughs> there's something Thursday we're announcing that's big as well. Mm. So there's kind of almost something every day. Mm. Um, and, and until you actually look at your diary and start writing it all down, it probably all kind of blends into one, which I think is perhaps a bit of a shame, really. But yeah. we are trying to get better at celebrating the journey because the journey is really all that matters. Of course. I think people focus on the destination. Um, I mean, look, look at you with your, your property. You probably want – I'm sure you want to get more property. And, mm. you know, is, is each time you get a property, is it still exciting or is it just a – is it kind of – is the novelty worn off or not really or – yeah, I think it, it's probably good for you to take personal responsibility for your own excitement and happiness and allow yeah. yourself that. Because, I mean, you said in one way you've got so many things on that you find it hard to celebrate it, but you've also got so many things to celebrate. Yeah. So even if it's just having a nice dinner, having a nice drink, taking five minutes to, you know, have a chat with James and just pat each I mean, other that, on I mean, the back. I mean, that wouldn't be a pleasurable thing. No, no. I'll tell you now. <laughs> It would, well, it depends. I, I know what you mean, though, because that, in a way... <laughs> that's I'm giving your... him a P45, it would be. <laughs> mm. Mm. Maybe not for him. No, wait, he's all It's right, a good job he's it? not on the James video. James is good. Yeah, he's yeah. all right. <laughs> yeah, he's he's all just right. changed he likes his me, name. really. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. But, but I think, um, like, allowing yourself five minutes or an hour or a day just to go, hey, I've done good. I'm enjoying myself. We were talking about helicopters up there and, you know, you've, you've got a great plane. I fly a 44. There's always the Augusta 109 or someone who's got a bigger plane. And that, that is a bit of a trap, don't you think? Just Yeah, because someone's always... Entrepreneurs especially. Someone's always got a better car or a fatter cigar, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> yeah, a bigger so, chopper. Yeah, yeah, a bigger chopper. Um, and I think I've realised 
now and i was chatting to steve bartlett the other week and 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 actually you know he he was saying this i think if i remember and i know this is true i was always happy when i had nothing i had nothing when i was with my parents and i was brought up we had a really happy stable upbringing mum and dad always argued about money never had any money but we always had a happy childhood and you know i didn't all my friends were going abroad i didn't go abroad i didn't have a bike you know they had bikes i had free school dinners and they were all going to florida and whatever and although i was kind of missing out i never really felt like i was mm. missing out i never felt so you know hard done by or anything so i think if you can be happy with with nothing um and, and you've got you know your um your health uh for instance you know which luckily we, we all did and we all have um then you can you've got a chance of being happy with with everything and again yeah. you know what's everything because again if you're if you're standing on necker island and you're richard you know he's he's looking at uh he's looking at the next island across which is owned by larry page who owns google mm. so is richard not happy because someone's got a bigger island i mean there's always someone out there unless you're yeah. jeff bezos there's, just, there's always going to be someone out there who's got more um so i think for me it's not about the acquisition of stuff and i think with the chat that we had earlier about helicopters for instance it, it's it's not it's not you either i think entrepreneurs like little challenges yeah because they're little ticks in the box oh i'd love to be able to fly a helicopter great we can go and do that it mm. takes time and skill you know it's a 12-month project or whatever you do it and then you're in you either don't do it again or or you you do do it um but like you said you can get into it at varying degrees but then there's the next little challenge another challenge and the traveling and doing cool things and you know, like you will as well. I know loads of people who go around the world doing cool things and it all looks mm. great, but then I'm doing something quite cool. I'm building, you know, I want to build a billion dollar brand. Right. Um, so, yeah, you've, you've, you've got to be happy with what you're doing. And I think the, the day, if the day comes I'm not happy with what I'm doing, and James is the first person to tell you this, I just, I wouldn't be there. Yeah. Um, and I expect the same from the team. If no one's happy there, fine, leave. You know, there's no, mm. one's, no one's being held there at gunpoint. We're doing something special. You need the best team to be able to do that. And, and we want a team that's all pulling in the same direction. Yeah. Um. You know, and employing people's hard. You know, you, mm. you're looking, especially as an entrepreneur, you're looking for for certain things. And and you know, we're we're picky. You know, as you will be. Mm. All right. So I'm going to go back almost to the start again. Still haven't picked up the iPad. I told you. I'm going, I'm going to go <laughs> yeah, this whole yeah. thing not looking at any of the Batteries questions. Died. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm fortunate enough to know some billionaires, know some really successful people. Um, and been, I've been spending 15 years trying to study successful people, wealthy people in my own pursuit on my own journey. Um, and something I'm finding common is that often the best business, their big business, the thing that makes them is not their first business or often their second business or often their third business. And you said in the, in the kitchen, you have other businesses as well. Yeah. So, you know, grenade big, was that your first business or do you feel like, you needed a journey of a couple of other businesses. I was an artist before I ran a pub for a while. I, I sort of played around at them. I didn't really make them happen, but they, I know I needed them on part of my journey. I wouldn't have been ready for what I've got if it had come too early. Absolutely. You have to learn, yeah. Hi, it's Rob here, interrupting you with something you may not know. Something that a lot of people don't know about me is that I was one of the few people on the planet hand-selected by Facebook to pilot their new supporter program. Now their new supporter program is rivaling Netflix and Patreon 
It's a very small premium model where you can get exclusive content and advanced notice or discount of new products and services. I felt really privileged that Facebook have selected me, one of only a few people in the world. So I wanted to make the supporter program the single best supporter program in the whole of the world. So this is what I've done for you. Not only can you get best discounts for any training that we might run, not only do you get notified first of any launches we do, we also do supporter meetups, supporter dinners, supporter WhatsApp groups where you have a, a deeper community. I do supporter only ask me anything. I do supporter only content and podcasts. We have a community of 2,500 supporters and I'd love to give you the chance to be one of those. I believe this is the best supporter program in the whole world. Find me a better one, but I don't think you will. So the link is bit.ly forward slash Rob Supporter with a capital R. That's bit.ly forward slash Rob Supporter with a capital R. We have done dozens of supporter events. So my supporters get 10% off the best price of everything. Someone just went in one of our WhatsApp groups and said, I've been paying $3.49 a month for just a few months and I just saved 800 quid. That's like 10 years on the supporter program. These supporters are disruptive. They are going places. It's like being part of an inner circle mastermind membership. Now, you know, I rarely run ads on my podcast, but I think this is so important. If you want the best content, I believe the gap between free content and paid content is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. There's a lot of free content out there that's maybe not that good. And for just a few dollars a month, you can get the best content on business, on entrepreneurship, on starting up, on scaling up, on sales, on marketing, on the mindset of being an entrepreneur. So go to bit.ly forward slash Rob Supporter with a capital R right now. Yeah, I mean, my first business is te- technically I was 11. I, uh, I used to sell cakes at school. So my dad used to, was a heavy goods vehicle mechanic. He used to uh, work on the Cadbury's and Mr. Kipling lorries. They'd, they'd go in for MOTs with, you know, full of cakes. They'd come out and they weren't full of cakes. Um, <laughs> and I'd sell them at school, right? basically. How'd and, that go uh, down? Um, it, it went down well with the pupils. Didn't go down so well with the teachers. I nearly got expelled for that. Um, <laughs> but I, I think... Teachers don't like it when you're making more money than they are at 11. <laughs> no. um, and especially when you're probably a cocky little twat as well. Um, <laughs> but no, to be fair, the teachers quite like me. So I did a deal with the teachers where they got prefer- preferential rates. Right. Um, and then that that swung it. So I did Cop that. a hustler at 11. Oh, oh you got to hustle. Yeah, yeah. you've got to hustle. Yeah. So that was technically my first business. Um, yeah, and I learned, I learned quite a lot <laughs> with that. What did you learn? Um, There's I, something I, beneath I, that giggle there. Yeah, I, well, I think with... With that, I mean, I learned if you can get stuff for free and sell it, you've got a great margin. Um, <laughs> that was one of the first things I learned. Kieran, will you just go and empty all these grenade bars out of his cupboards Also as well, I think I'd, I'd like to think I've learned a lot about people. If you can understand and, and, and read people. And again, I think I learned that it's probably better to ask for you know forgiveness than permission yeah so um i've kind of always tried to do things my way you never want to upset anyone but i think if you're hopefully a fairly likable character you can get away with quite a lot and personality takes you a long way yeah so i definitely learned that my next business after that was uh, i went i I finished up at school at at 15 and i did well at school without really trying that much because i absolutely hated it um I, I, when I was 15, I discovered, in fact, when I was 14, I discovered going to the gym because I've always tried to do things differently than all my peers. All my friends were into football and cricket and rugby. And I was just 
I've never really been interested in conforming all those type of sports. So I wanted to do something different. I was really skinny. I was like 10 and a half stone, ringing wet. So I went to a gym on work experience in 1991 and I did three weeks on work experience and we were only obliged to do 15 days, mm-hmm. the same as we'd have done at school, broadly 10 till 3. And I worked 9am till 10pm, seven days a week, including weekends, because I just loved it that much. It's one of the first things I remember doing that I really, other than going to military events and I was I was a kid, it was the first work uh, experience I'd had and I really enjoyed it and I wanted to do something in the fitness industry didn't know what um, and there were no supplements or anything available uh, back then but then when I was I went to do A levels I hated it I dropped out after a year uh, I actually found it really difficult as well bear, even bear in mind I got the ability but I just didn't want to be there mm. uh, I didn't like the teachers they didn't like me and I, I, I walked out one day you seem very I, clear about that <laughs> well I, I, well, what, I was actually doing well there until I, I I met this girl who was actually quite unpopular with the teachers and the minute that and this has happened several times actually in my life where um, I've kind of been someone authority in this case uh, in fact both times it was teachers had tried to punish me for something to try and shock me into doing what they wanted so uh, I I kind of been I was punished when I was doing my GCSE so I was just hanging around at the gym and he my without wanting to sound cocky about it my worst effort was probably better than most people's best effort mm. so i knew i could kind of coast through school because i've got a good memory and really back then all, all school involved was just being told something regurgitating it back and if you were right you were clever yeah so uh, yeah. I, was, I was quite good at that I was quite good with numbers and dates and when i discovered the gym my schoolwork did slip but you know if i was getting i remember a specific example where i did some coursework uh, and I, it was out of 50 and I always used, I'd say I would always get 50 for instance and then there was a case where I just did my sort of worst effort but I knew it was probably a 40 uh, but they gave me zero for that right and I think it was kind of a way and my parents were at the school and again it's sort of hanging around at the gym and I just thought it was really unfair because I thought well actually that's not a zero mm. um, and but it was a, a way of trying to shock me and it, that doesn't work with me right. at all so I actually, I then I made even less effort. Yeah. Because, yeah, that I, just, I think entrepreneurs don't kind of respond to being shoehorned into a certain scenario potentially. Yeah. That happened again at A levels where I was doing quite well until I met this girl, and again they started giving me zero for everything. So I just let, I just walked out. Right. Um. So I walked out, got the number eleven bus, went straight to the gym, said I need a job, and they were like, "Your parents are going to kill us. We can't give you a job." I was like, "Well, like it's you know, I, I really want a job here." So got a job at the gym, less than minimum wage. So that was, I was earning 70 quid a week for a full week's work. That was mid-90s. So it wasn't that long ago. But yeah, it was less than two quid an hour. And um, I just loved it. And again, I learned loads. And then all the people coming into the gym that were entrepreneurs, that were just business people, that were just, you know, regular Joes, that were mm. multimillionaires, that were criminals, <laughs> quite a lot of criminals, actually. <laughs> um, and because it was just one of those gyms. And I just learned a lot and because I was kind of always been a bit of a hustler. I just fitted in there, yeah. and it was one of the first, and then it was quite cool because all my friends at school, a lot of still my friends now, but then I got a lot of fifteen-year-old friends, which you do when you're fifteen. But then my friends, then were all like 25, 26, 27. They've got proper jobs, and yeah. it, so I was. It was quite unusual that I'd got a, an older set of friends that I looked up to, some of which I shouldn't have done. Um, but uh, I started a personal training business because obviously I couldn't survive on seventy quid a week, so I was still living at home, but it, it wasn't much. 
But I was really enjoying it and I was learning. And I didn't realise what I was learning probably until looking back on it retrospectively, how much I learned. One of them being how not to run a business. Yeah. Because the guy who ran the gym, still one of my closest friends, fantastic guy, but not a businessman. No. And if you can learn from other people's mistakes, it's yeah. far better than mm. learning from your own. Well, I mean, can, he, can I just stop you there? Yeah, sure. Can we just put that little quote somewhere? Because I just need to say this, because there's so much bad advice out there, which is... Um, packaged as common sense mm -hmm. from people who've not got experience. So, for example, common sense says, learn from your mistakes. You've just said, learn from the mistakes of others. Mm. And I believe it's far better in business to learn from the mistakes of others than it is yourself. Oh, without a shadow of a doubt. If you want to learn about going bust, do you want to go bust? Or do you want to learn from someone who went bust? How <laughs> yeah, not to go find bust? Find out why they yeah, went yeah. bust. This, Sorry to jump in, No, way, no, no, yeah. not at all. If I tell you one of the things that you would do on a regular basis, which, again, is kind of common sense. So, you know, he, he would... Um, He'd, he'd walk to and from the gym and on a regular basis, he'd have the takings in his pocket for the day. Mm. He'd regularly lose it on the way home. <laughs> but then on a Friday, he'd go, I can't pay because I've lost the takings again. Yeah. And it was just like, oh, all right then. Yeah. What do you say? Yeah, yeah. You know, if they can't afford to pay you, stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah, I learned. Like pay your stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I learned. And again, that, that was never an issue with me because I wasn't making much. I didn't need much. Yeah. And he was my friend. And I learned as well, you don't really want to work with and for friends. That's probably another mm. quite a big one. Right. I, I'm sure you've probably employed friends in the yeah, past. Yeah, I have. Um, I have. It doesn't generally work. I think if you employ people that become friends... That's yeah. the best scenario. But I think in employing friends, they don't necessarily become good so employees. So from, from your point of view, why doesn't it work? Because I think a lot of startup businesses think about this, don't they, to try and hustle a, and get ahead and keep the costs down. Why doesn't employing friends work? Yeah, I mean, you you kind of it's difficult when you're looking for your first employees because generally you need someone to back you and to follow what you're doing and what you believe in and take a risk on you because you you've, you've got potentially a very unstable business. Um and you just gravitate towards people that you know and like because it's easier. And generally, in our case, we didn't have a specific skill set where there's, in my case, you know, my wife and I, and there were two of us, and you've just divided the roles evenly. And we're doing everything. I mean, I'm doing broadly in all the NPD, new product development, uh, anything to do with sales and, you know, some marketing. And then Jules was doing, you know, marketing, all the office work trademarks and frankly everything else mm. um po's you know we, we, we broadly split it evenly when you need a person then to come in as your first employee you know what do you need mm. because we just got our first warehouse but we all of our stuff were, were bulk deliveries so if i were to get an order ready for holland and barrett or amazon it was just a full palletized order and we had one product so it would take me five minutes you don't yeah. need a warehouse person no. you don't necessarily need a sales guy because again we've got one product and it wasn't quite a full-time job Difficult to get a, mar a marketeer. Um, and actually what we did, was our, our first employee was a girl called Sarah, who's still with us now, still our office manager 10 years later. And she just kind of came in to free us up, very organised, mm. and just kind of looked after the office and the paperwork and invoicing and, 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 and that type of environment to free us up to do sales and marketing, which with hindsight probably was quite a, a clever move. Yeah, um, It's really common for people to actually bring someone in to do sales quite early on, and no one's going to sell it as well as you yeah, do. So that's, yeah. that's something you probably shouldn't um, replace. But right. just conscious as well that I didn't put, I didn't finish off your question on the... I think um, we've got three questions. We're halfway yeah, through at the moment. I'm trying through. to track sorry. Yeah, sorry. No, it's okay, good. So, it's good. I like it. So, yeah, so the, the business one then, so yeah, PTing um, when I was uh, at the gym when I was 17. So did that. And again, 
learn how to work, I think, one-on-one -on -one with people. I was lucky I had a very, very successful client as well, who I learned a lot from. I'm still really good friends with today, and I learned a lot from Stuart. Um, the, again, still couldn't make it pay with some PTing and working at the gym. So I set up a security business for nightclub security because I'd got a gym full of meatheads. So, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it was quite easy for me to, to, to set up a security business yeah. and that did pretty well. And, and yeah. I did that for two years just to basically save up and buy my first house. Right. Um, and that was really hard because I, I probably the hardest I've ever worked, I think, right. because I worked five days a week at the gym. I did personal training so weekdays. I did personal training at the weekends, and I worked Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday night on the door. Right. So on a on a uh, you know Thursday, so I'd work all day on a Thursday. I'd then have an hour or so at home. I'd then be at the nightclub for nine o'clock at night. I'd work sometimes until four o'clock the following morning. Get home at five. Be opening the gym at half nine, ten o'clock. Again, work all day on the Friday. Friday night. On back down mm. um, the, the nightclub. In that case, until probably about six o'clock in the morning, go home, probably about five hours sleep, person training all day, Saturday night, back out in the nightclub. Uh, but I saved up and I saved up broadly 200 quid a week yeah. to, to, for two years to, to get my, um, my my first deposit for, for the house. Right. And after that then, and I and I've just, I quit after that yeah. um, because I just, I burnt out with it. But again, I learned a lot with that. And it's surprising how many people came into those clubs who years later are still talk to and see and uh, and remember and again i learned as well that that wasn't for me yeah and um i've never really been in, into going out and getting drunk so it was actually quite good because all my friends when i was that age they were all coming out and getting drunk in the nightclubs and yeah. they were spending money and i was making money but mm. i didn't feel like i'd missed out on anything um and then the the, the, the next real business i had after that uh, was a, a distribution business called fusion which was set up in 1999 and sold in 2008 my best friend, and that was a supplement business which we actually made our don't, own. Supplements. Don't go into business with your best friends, but sell your companies to them. No, <laughs> always sell, yeah. sell your business to your best friend. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just I fell out of love with uh, with with that, and it did really well. And a lot of the guys we dealt, we dealt with, um, we're still really good friends with. Yeah. And it was tricky. Are you able to disclose what you sold that for? Uh, yeah, that was five hundred thousand. Yeah. Yeah. So we, yeah, so we sold that. And you must have been what still under thirty at that point. Or? Yeah. So I was. Oh, not actually. I was probably about thirty-one. Yeah. At that point. So still young. Yeah. Mm. Um. So still, still young. And again, we we, um, you know, made a dent in our mortgage and stuff. But we we'd got the idea for grenade. So then, um, that was we had the idea for grenade back in two thousand and six of yeah. having our own brand because we'd had a distribution business selling other people's brands. Right. So we learned quite a lot again from that. Yeah. Uh, you know, being a distributor. I learned that most supplement companies had too big a range. As a distributor, I didn't want to distribute a lot of stuff that didn't sell. Yeah. And also, to get product into retail, retailers don't have elastic shelves. Yeah. So I thought, actually, Red Bull do quite well. They've got one product. Coke do pretty well. They've got one product, so do Pepsi. And I thought, why do you need 200 products? Let's just have one that sells, yeah. not 200 that don't. Yeah. So, again, I learned a lot by watching what other companies had done. And we just set out to be the Red Bull of sports nutrition with one product, which is our weight loss product. And again, we got a formula back in 2006, sat on the formula for four years because we got another business at the time. So The formula uh, as in the recipe. Yeah, the actual yeah, recipe. Yeah, yeah. That, and it's still the same same formula today. So 10 years on, it's 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 never been um, bettered. And everyone's tried to copy it, but no one, no one can. It's kind of like the Coke recipe. No one can get it exactly yeah. right. So ours just works. And um, yeah, we, we, we came up with an grenade and protected it and trademarked it and spent all of our money protecting it and kind of scrimping and saving and then when we actually did set up launch grenade in 2010 
you know, we'd, we'd basically got 500 quid to put in it. And then yeah. that, that 500 quid, you know, turned into 35 million four years later when Growth Point Capital came into the business, 72 million and three year, another three years later in 2017. And then who knows where we are today, yeah. wow. um, you know, with, with, with Lion Capital. But it was pretty scary because at one point we were down to 27 quid and yeah. we had a genuine conversation about we're going to end up in a bed sit here in Allen Rock, mm. you know, and we thought we haven't got any kids. So what? We'll just do it all again. Yeah. We, I, I'm one of those people. My wife's the same, actually. If, you know, if you're on your ass and someone just said, you know, I want you to dig a hole, dig a massive hole, dig all day. And at the end of the day, I'll give you a tenner. I'd do it. Yeah. And, and I think that's, and I'd still do it. And I think that's quite unusual now with a different generation where there's just a bit more of a sense of entitlement, dare I say it. Um, so I just kind of like that real old school work ethic because my family had all got that. They all died at work. My uncle died at work when he was 74, had a stroke and went to work. My dad didn't have a, had one day off work in 30 years and he had mumps. Um, my granddad died at work when he was 82, went blind and still went to work. Mm. I mean, it's just, uh, but they never made any money. So I've always this amazing work ethic because they yeah. did, but I actually made a conscious decision. Again, it's back to learning from others. If you're going to work hard, have something to show for it. Yeah, uh, you know, which they never did really. So mm. that was that was something I was wanted to take on board. Yeah. So it's great we, that we've got to the point now where we can start focusing on talking about grenade. But there's two or three things I just want to pick up on from mm -hmm. uh, from the first part of the interview. So the first thing you said, and I'll use your words when you're on your ass. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, wise, wor uh, wise words. Wrong. Yeah. So I'm going to assume that means when your back is against the wall it or is. something like yes. that. Yeah, is yeah. it a, a phrase around this area of the country? Have you never heard that phrase before? When you're on your what? Yeah. You must have. You must have heard that. Who's, who's heard that phrase? I think in Peter that means something else. Instagram. Yeah, Harry's heard it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just you. Uh, yeah, it's just me. <laughs> <Peter> um, <laughs> so I, I, yeah, exactly. It means something else where we are. Uh, ah, okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that makes no sense. But no. anyway, I know what you mean. Go All right. So I think human beings have this amazing capacity to be resourceful. And I think if anyone's down to their last 27 quid or their kids are about to be kidnapped, they would dig that hole all day and all night and they would make things happen. They'd come up with ideas and they'd knock on doors and sell stuff to people they don't even know because they had to get it done. And entrepreneurs will put themselves in that position, but most other people won't. And I think if people put themselves in a position of discomfort more and made things a bit more real and a bit more serious and like tapped into this unlimited resourcefulness we can have. If we can put ourselves on the moon, if we can put ourselves on Mars, if we can create, what is it, that, um, that new material uh, begins with a G, is it graphon or something like that, which is, sorry, graphene, that's it, yeah. which is like a, a tiny layer is harder than any material. If we can do all these amazing things, if we can create AI, then we can do a bit of hard work and turn a business around and make some money, surely. Are, are, are we not tapping into our latent resourcefulness enough? Ab yeah, you're spot on. Um, yes is the answer. There you go. Cool. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was expecting to sit back for 15 <laughs> minutes, <laughs> mate. I thought, I thought this will throw him off. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I agree. Uh, no, it, it, it's spot on. And I think for, for me, and I think this is probably most entrepreneurs, I'm actually inherently quite lazy. Which people says, no, you're, you're, trust me, not lazy. I am. If I don't have anything to do, I won't do anything. Yeah. When I, when I sold Fusion, I don't think I left the house for three weeks. I don't think I got dressed for three weeks. Right. Because I think I just needed that time of just to unwind a bit yeah. and just kind of have a bit of me time. Maybe now, and I don't think for a minute it was depression, say, but maybe you're going to have to work in hard at business and it's there and the next thing it's not there. And I think I did get like an overwhelming sense more of relief yeah. than anything else. 
but maybe as well it's like it's like losing something you've got you know, a hole in your life yeah, yeah yeah fairly important and i hadn't really planned on what was going to probably fill it yeah mm. we got the grenade idea but it's only an idea so we've got to you know a lot of work to start from scratch but uh, no i need a fire under me yeah and, and i said before about i saved up and bought my first house and back at the time then when i got that house i'd, I'd moved to another gym so i was earning uh, about 200 quid a week uh, at that gym and again that was late 90s probably 2000 so um you know still not big money at, certainly not now and certainly not at the time either and then i'd still got some personal training and i just started my distribution business in 1999 but i was taking no money out of it right. i think for for years i didn't take more than 500 pounds a month out of that business but long story short i get my first uh, house the mortgage is 633 pounds a month and i'm earning about a thousand and my dad said to me, he's always like Mr. Cautious, Mr. Doom and Gloom. He said, how do you sleep at night? He said, I just, and I just said, I'll find it. Yeah. I just, I need a fire under me. And that's exactly it. I quite, I think it's that wartime general thing again. Yeah. I quite like it. You're on your ass. See what I did there. See yeah. what I did there. You'll, you'll use that now. Yeah. Um, and... You, you you get up with 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 purpose, yeah. and I think that's why if you're going to acquire any wealth at all in life, there's there's only three ways I know you can get it, and that's earn it, win it, or inherit it. And I think the only way to do it is earn it, yeah, and 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 learn and know the value of a fiver, because you know they call it the curse of the lottery, don't they? But you know if you just win it, what have you learned? Yeah, nothing really. No. And and the discipline that you acquire in terms of obtaining something, you need that discipline when it comes to you know managing managing wealth or, or, or spending wealth. And I think that's why yeah. most people who win the lottery have lost it within two years. Hundred percent, and probably why these successful business owners like yourself, it's third, fourth business because you've learned along the way yeah. what you need to do. And we're still learning. Yeah, I mean, if you if Grenada had been your first business, you probably wouldn't have got it off the ground because you didn't have the experience you needed. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. And people were saying, would you do things differently? And I Don't worry, I'm not going to ask that question because everyone else. Yeah. But you're going to answer it I'm going to answer it anyway. Yeah. I'm just going to answer it now. I'll interview yeah, myself. do it. Um, yeah, you can go whenever you I'll just sit and talk. Thanks, man. Um, the, <laughs> uh, I'm not to make it easy for you. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's difficult because you are where you are. There's odd bits I'd probably do, but broadly I probably wouldn't change anything because who knows? Now, happy, now on this question, what one thing? What one thing do you regret or that you'd have done differently? I genuinely, I don't really believe in regrets. No. I don't believe in, I don't think you should regret things you've done unless it is something fundamentally evil. Yeah. Um, so I don't think you should regret. I think you should regret things perhaps you haven't done. Yeah. And I think if we've thought of it, we've done it. Mm. I don't know if we've done it well or to the best of our ability. And we're always trying to refine our ideas. But I think certainly with, with Grenade, and, I, and again, I think I've got kind of got mild Asperger's. I think for me, if if I think about it, I can't get it out of my mind yeah. and, until I've done it. No matter no matter what it might be, and you know, I, I got I, I had my heart set on buying my parents a house, and, and and I just that was actually one of the things I've never really wanted anything for me. I've always wanted things for other people, mm. and I wanted to buy my mum dad a house. And so I, I, I one of the th the first thing I did when 
we got the growth point investment in, in 2014 was I bought my parents a house and, and Jules did the same for her sister. Yeah. So it was kind of one of the best things about the deal. Everyone at work got a bonus they weren't expecting because no one mm. actually knew about the deal. Right. And that, again, was one of the best things about the deal is being able to do something for people that they're not expecting. Yeah. Um. So I've always kind of been happy with the stuff I've had, uh, you know, as I'm going along. But it is nice to do things for others. So, yeah, re regrets. I can't, I genuinely can't think of anything. How would you grow a grenade? To where it is in seven years instead of 10. How do you do it quicker? Now you know what you know. How do you do it quicker? I mean, the market you're in is the market you're in. I guess we could have launched the bar two years earlier. Yeah. But I'm not sure the market would have been ready for it, no. to be honest. I mean, we certainly shocked the market. I remember a specific conversation we had with a guy called Ashwin at Tesco who had been super supportive of us. And we kind of got lucky. He's very senior at Tesco. Really nice guy. Loved sports nutrition, and he trained in the same gym as one of our athletes. And we were in Tesco anyway, and uh, we'd originally emailed Tesco to get our sport, our fat burner in there, and they hadn't responded. And then six months, so we just literally, we we just kind of, you know, we sent one email. I don't believe in chasing people, oh. so we we sent one email. They didn't reply, so we carried on. We we basically sold it ever. Why don't Tesco. you believe in chasing people? Um, I just think that I believe I've always believed we've got good products, which we do. And I think that no one has to chase me. So if someone, you know, e emails me, I'll, I'll respond pretty quickly. Um, and I, I just, yeah, I don't really believe in sort of fighting to get products on shelf when, again, you've got a good product because Tesco, again, a huge estate. They've got about 30% of, um, of the grocery channel and they're a huge partner of us now, obviously. Uh, but, you know, they're not the bill and end all. If, if Tesco's are not responding, you've got other retailers, you've got other mm. options, you've got Amazon, you've got your own website. There's loads of other ways. So I think sometimes people become fixated with one channel. Yeah. And, and I think if you if you get a, a speed bump, which you will, and we got a speed bump in that case for Tesco for six months, um, just go around it mm. if you can. So, so we did. And the six months later, the, the buyer emailed and said, oh, I want you to come in and talk, uh, talk about Grenade. And I, I even said, oh, you know, I, he replied to the email I'd sent six months earlier. And, um, and I said, oh, why now? And he said, we can't ignore you any longer. Yeah. So I think if you make yourself such a pain in the arse. <laughs> by, by not chasing. By not chasing. Oh. And them seeing it everywhere. Yes. That's better than chasing someone. Because yeah. if you're chasing someone, they're, they're, I think it puts them in a position of power. And they're thinking, oh, they need me. Yeah. They really need me. And I think then we, we all want what we can't have, don't yeah. we? So yeah. I just, yeah, reverse psychology. No problem then. Your loss. You know, carry so on. There so, must be some confidence and faith and self-assuredness in that to yeah. let go of something and allow it to happen when it needs to happen rather than when you want it to happen. Yeah, and we were the biggest weight loss product in the UK at that point anyway on Amazon, and we have been for eight years running pretty much. And, uh, yeah, and then if you couldn't buy it from Tesco, fine. You didn't yeah. buy it from Amazon. Yeah. So, um, but, yeah, that we, we did get the weight loss product in there. And going back to the, the Ashwin story with the bars, we sent him the, the very, very first bars and he was actually ex-Mars. And he, I remember the conversation specifically. He said, I absolutely get what you're doing. I, I think you're right. We'll support you. And they did give us, it was just as they were starting to take chocolate away from till points, if you remember that. And we were yeah. one of the reasons they did that. And because all of a sudden sugar became the enemy. Mm. And again, if we'd launched three years earlier, sugar wasn't the enemy. Mm. And again, you know, we're not going to out Mars, Mars in terms of Moe no. or Cadbury's. And these are all brands we love and we look up to. So I'm not, I'm not bashing your chocolate brands because I, I love chocolate. Yeah. So, and the, the conversation with Ashwin was, uh, I see what you're doing, but you've got to get people now to go from spending 60 pence on a chocolate bar to spending £2.50 on your bar. 
and it's a big leap yeah. and it's going to take a couple of years. And that was the conversation. Um, and we did it in six weeks. Yeah. Because wow. the timing was right. Yeah. But I'm a massive believer in timing. Yes. You can't outperform bad timing. No. Uh, I mean, you know, veganism's not new, is it? I've, no. I've, I've, vegan, you know, vegans have gone back to you know the 90s, but now it's just now's yeah. the time. So if you had a vegan brand back then, would you have sold much? No. Of course, and people nowadays. doing podcasts 15 years ago, there were plenty of, of people doing podcasts 15 years ago, but yeah. no one knew about it. Exactly. Yeah, and, and uh, this is a fascinating discussion for me because... I'm a very fascinating person, Rob. You are indeed. Um <laughs> Even if you do say so mm. yourself, you know, you, oh, well, you absolutely well, are. What, what can possibly go um, wrong when you're live streaming? So. Yeah, yeah. We've not dropped the C-bomb yet, so. Well, that would not be me. Will in a minute, because yeah. I'm going to start necking this bad boy. All right, then, do it. Um, so I, I'm, I'm fascinated in studying the entrepreneurial journey and the journey of a company. And a lot of people are perfectionists. They're worried about starting. They want to get the perfect business, the perfect business model, the perfect time, the perfect product. And I just think you stumble on the perfect product, probably not first, probably not second, maybe not third, maybe not fourth, maybe fifth, maybe 12th. The perfect business model, maybe second or third or fifth. You've got to get started. You've got to be in the game. You've got to be going down the river and seeing where it takes you. And then you go, whoa, this is an opportunity. And then you see it. And then entrepreneurs see it and they go, right, I, I get emotional about this. I, I see this now because I've had experience going down the river for mm -hmm. a while so whether that for me, it was buy to lets, then multi-lets, then commercial conversions, then my books, then my podcast, the supporter program, the stars program, the Patreon program we have now, all these things that didn't even exist. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? And people are like, oh, I've got to get perfect. I want what's, what's the perfect business model or I want to copy Grenade and do what they do. And they're not just going out there and playing. There's no such thing as the perfect business model. Mm. I think the perfect business model is the one that works for you. And I think in our industry, I believe... People have done well in sports nutrition in lots of different ways, but no one's done it the same way. Yeah. Whether it's different brands, different timings, different people, different opportunities. So I know the way that we've done it, and certainly everyone's close on our heels, but we're the one beating the path. I think if you gravitate towards what someone else has done, really, what are you achieving? And Just you can't be better at them than them. Not, not really. You know. No. I mean, okay, you could do something the same with someone else and give consumers a better product or service you know if you, it's an airline you're flying to the u.s there's only one way of flying to the u.s yeah. you've got to improve the flight because yeah. the, the the destination's the same um but you know how much can you really improve it and again it all just comes down to, to price and yeah. we've we've we're never a brand that's actually traded on price we no. still don't we're not the cheapest we never will be and that's just because we really value quality and, and service yeah and i think if it comes to quality service and price pick two because you're just not going to get all three yes yeah so at, at, at the two we always go with quality and service definitely yeah um and we we always but i always believed that people will just pay more for something that's better yeah. and they do mm. and people st say to me still nowadays you know they don't and that's flawed but i think it's flawed being at the bottom end of the market yeah to be honest because you're just fighting at in price with everyone else mm. um and then what's the point but yeah the the, the timing is key like we said and, and you just have to find that that business model that, that works you and enjoy it if you're enjoying it who cares if it takes one year or 10 years or you know you're having fun along the way business has to be sustainable and you know we'll work brutally hard and lots of pressure and uh, i'm really big on, on on trying to make it sustainable because you know as you can probably tell i'm unemployable so this is the last job i'm ever going to have yeah so i want to make sure i do it i do it to my to my fullest, yeah. definitely. Does that answer the question? I forgot totally. the question. Now. Yeah, yeah. No, it's all right. Um, I completely get it. 
So there's two more remnants of our chat before I want to move on to question one. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first question, yeah. yeah. Uh, this was my hope, by the way, that we wouldn't have to look at the questions. So I want to pick back on two things because I, I hear this a lot. I'm listening to you and I'm trying to pull out, okay, what bits to my community, my followers, my, my, my readers, my listeners, you know, the things they share with me that they struggle with. You said about um, don't employ friends. I've got uh, two theories on that. I would like to get, just get that final answer as to why. One, maybe there's an authority problem and a blur of lines of telling them what to do and when to do it. Uh, and two, um, often you employ friends because they're friends, not because they can actually do the job. Definitely. And there's a lot of people going, oh, hire on attitude because you can teach them how to do the job. I don't want a positive coder. I want a fucking good coder yeah. who can code. Yeah. I don't want a, a coder who's wearing the right uniform and, and saying and doing the right things. So what do you think to that? Yeah, I mean, we, we broadly split... Uh, Jobs into you, you need into 50 50. You need there's the ability to do the job and there's the cultural fit. Yeah. And if you've got one of the two, it just doesn't work. Yeah. And you're completely right, lines are blurred when it's it's your mate because then, then they've got they've got to leave that at, at the door. Yeah, and I've had situations the most the most complicated situation I've actually had was when we did the last um deal in 2014. And this isn't the case now, but then we had a, one of the investors back then was a supplier my friend and an investor. So although, although, you know, not an employee, uh, you've still got to have three different relationships with them. And the first thing I actually said with him was, right, as an investor, I've got to get you your best return because I'm responsible for your money. As as your mate, you know, I'm your mate, I'll do anything for you. And as a supplier, I'm going to kick your ass because I need a good deal. <laughs> so we, we then sometimes, I would then, just, just so we didn't muddy the waters, I would say with him, Right, I'm your friend today. You know, today, today you're my supplier. Today you're my investor, yeah. and we just did that, and we had a really transparent conversation about how we'd handle it. Um, but I think, yeah, I've employed friends, and they just take the piss. Yeah. And like I said, I think it's fine when, and this is definitely the case at Grenade. I've got loads of friends at Grenade, but they didn't start that no, way. And that's a different. That's the, that. That's different. The differentiating you, you, factor. Yeah. yeah, you've still got to have that healthy level of of respect both ways because it's not it's not just a one way street. Yeah. Um, and I think the best example I could think of where people just employ their mates are when people become sports stars at an early age and a lot of money. If you tell the likes of Mike yeah, Tyson, yeah. who yeah. managed to be worth 300 million when he was 20, 21 and blew the lot. Yeah. And that's because he employed all of his mates for jobs that didn't exist. The jobs that did exist, he didn't get competent professionals. Mm. He got his mates that were, yeah. crap at, that were crap at it. And again, he'd learned nothing. So I think he'd made so much money quickly. He didn't know that perhaps spending 10 million pounds for a watch wasn't a good idea yeah. because he just, it was all relative to what he was earning. Who cares? Mm. So, you can see how people make it and lose it in, yeah. that, in that respect, definitely. Um, but yeah, I completely agree with your points on you know why it's you're in dangerous territory yeah. with with friends. Mm. Um, and and as well, I I always try and be super fair with everyone that that works for me. I can't think I don't like saying no, whether it's time off or if someone's been ill um, or whatever. I'm always really super supportive if people have done and are doing a good job. I will bend over backwards for them. And we, we've had this. We had a guy um, who years ago was probably that employee number 10 or 12. And he had a real run of bad luck um, with, uh, um, I mean, just some family stuff, but also, you know, some, some family stuff. And also he, he was in a bad accident and he broke his leg. And it was fairly early on into his career at Grenade. It was the first 12 months. But he was really good and we just absolutely bent over backwards to to make sure it worked and work from home and be supportive. Uh, and it's one of the best things we ever did. Yeah. And we'd always try and do that, definitely. If, again, you have got someone 
and that hadn't been the case, and you know, they and they they weren't the right type of person. Um, and it is all just kind of take, take, take. Then yeah, why would we support that? Because you yeah. just can't. Because it's not only not fair in the business; it's not fair in everyone else around them who's working hard as well. Yeah, yeah, sure, cool. And then earlier you said um, you learned a lot about people, and you gave us um, something there. What are your top three tips on building relationships with people? I think doing what you say you'll do when you say you'll do it and Which do it should be given, but never is. <laughs> should and it just it just doesn't happen. Yeah. I am. I, I'm this. I, I'm, I'm not going to say it's going to turn into a rant. Do it. But, do it. Rant. <laughs> yeah, I am massively disappointed. Just day to day, just with and not at Grenade, but just uh, you know, car dealerships. That there, you, you take your car in, and it's like the first time they've ever seen that car, and it just staggers me how bad a lot of the service is. Yeah, and then. You know, they'll they'll moan that the business isn't doing that well. You're like, yeah, I know why it's not doing that well. You've only got to service cars and you crap at it. Um, so uh, that that really frustrates me. So I think, yeah, just just do what you say I'll do, do it well, and do it yeah. to the best of your ability. Um, I think again, treating people how you would like to be treated, mm. um, and uh, you know, being fair and supportive and honest and open and and, and hardworking. Um, and then, oh, number three, top tip for treating people. Um, I think, I don't know if it's a top tip, but like I said earlier, I think I've learned personality goes a long way. So I think potentially in business, um, being memorable and being likable. I know it's, it's hard to say that trying to um, being likable with, with people, but I did an interview about a month ago um, for a Inside Business magazine and the the journalist who came out is quite well known for kind of being quite quite tough, which I didn't know at the time. And again, me just kind of being me, we just sat and talked for for two hours, and we're just open and honest, and we had quite a good laugh. And um, we went, and and it, he was so happy with the interview, he didn't just print the interview; he put me on the front cover, which was never a, a, an option. Wow! And afterwards, the the company that so the PR company said, "Oh yeah, this guy's kind of quite a tough interview. He's quite tough on people." So like you know he 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 really liked you. Mm. So now that's not a conscious decision about being likable, but I think you know maybe just don't be a knob mm. with people. And you know I can do it. We can all do it. But yeah. I think if you know you're doing it, it's probably not the end of the world. You can't be kind of likable all the time. Yeah. But it amazes me the amount of people who are just knobs and don't know they're being knobs. <laughs> <laughs> To be honest, James most of the time. <laughs> no, he's not. He's not. An James he's not needs an his own yeah. episode. He does need his own episode. He does. Yeah. Oh, never. Don't don't give him a voice. Yeah. Never give yeah, him a voice. Come it's on. great now because I just slag him off and he can't respond. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not a mic knock here, James. Just uh, we'll, we'll let it all that out. You was drove. You drove. Yeah, that was three, and that yeah. was really good. Thank you. You drove a tank through. Was it body power in 2010? We did. Yeah. And I, I'm sure there's been stories on it, but what, what I want to know is why. Why? Uh, hadn't been done before. I always wanted to do it. We hadn't got. Oh, money you always wanted to drive ta- drive a tank through a building. Which <laughs> who doesn't want to drive a tank through a building? Um, so, Me? Yeah, <laughs> you do. You do. We'll I, do you do you do I do now. I do yeah, now. Yeah. I hadn't thought yeah, about it so, until now. So when we st- so okay, so it's Jules and I. It's two thousand and ten. We've got no money. We've got a great product, um, and our competitors have all got loads of money. Yeah. And, you know, in some cases, good products and some cases not, but they've all got loads of money and they've all got established people and businesses. And a lot of this stuff's been done before. So it shows, you know, we'd, we'd been going to shows for years and everyone gives away, you know, back then 
thousands and thousands of t-shirts. There are brands that give away 20,000 t-shirts at a show. So when you've got no money, you can't do that. So we thought, okay, we'll sell our t-shirts. We're the only people that are actually selling t-shirts. Yeah. Therefore, I think we're the only people there that really thought we had value in what we did yes. because everyone else did it for nothing. Yeah. So uh, we did the opposite there. And it wasn't a matter of kind of being clever. We couldn't afford to give it away. Mm. I'm actually quite glad we had no money because had we got money, I think you'd do what everyone you else did. You'd 20,000 t-shirts. Yeah, 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 and give yes. away because everyone else did. So it's really good if you've got a different set of circumstances. People had bought in super bikes, Formula One cars. Now, again, I'm not really interested in Formula One. And again, it's been done and you just think, so what? You know, the 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 thrill of seeing a Formula One car is seeing it do 200 miles an hour, you know, with someone behind the wheel, not stationary in a show. It really shows, I think, a bit of a lack of, um, you know, of, of thought potentially. Yeah. So we've got no money and we thought, you know, we're called Grenade. How can we make our, our booth? stand out we hadn't even got i've never said this before we hadn't even got any money to actually buy a booth mm. so there's just two people in a product and we can't afford anything at all we, you know we've, we've we've lagged some stand space um and a friend of mine owns tanks because i know lots of people in the military so uh, he's got a lot of tanks actually so he's, he's got more tanks than the british so, army so that helped yeah you got a which, mate he's got which, loads of which tanks isn't, isn't that difficult but so i that I, sounds like an analogy yeah, he's so, got more tanks than the, the british the, army the british yeah. army which isn't difficult to be fair well yeah on a, on a side note he's got so many armored vehicles that he will line all of his vehicles up in a field and have them at very going to get quite dull now varying states of readiness Right. And, and I've been there when they do this. It's called kinetic testing. It's quite good. And they have like Apache gunships flying over from yeah. the Royal Air Force. And they test the weapons acquisition systems and program the right. weapons based on the scenarios they lay out of like, you know, mostly, let's face it, mostly, sorry, Russia, but mostly Russian vehicles lined up. They, but, you know, the missiles have to be able to distinguish between our vehicles and com enemy vehicles. And they have to be able to prior because you only got, you know, with a missile, you can only fire it once. So they have to be able to distinguish between which is the best thing to shoot at. So yeah. a cold tank is less of a threat than a hot armoured personnel carrier. That yeah. makes sense? So anyway, all this has to be programmed. And they pay him to do it. So right. um, it's quite cool, actually. Yeah. It's one of it's the coolest thing I've ever done. He sounds like an for. interesting podcast guest. Yeah, yeah. He's a very interesting podcast. And he used to be a butcher as well, right. basically. But other, other than that... And uh, now he's on all the crime and podcasts. Now, yeah, now, yeah, now, now, yeah, now he's with his vehicles. But yeah, so I rang up uh, I rang up Nick and I said, oh, uh, any chance I can, uh, I can get a, a tank... And he said, and I thought it might be a problem. And he was just, it was, the, it was the easiest conversation we've ever had. And he actually, how many do you want? <laughs> so just the one will do. Yeah. And uh, we got it there and back. And we we we, do, we got a really good rate through him actually to, for, for for transport. No one had taken one into the NEC before, and it was all a bit surreal. He turned up and and drove it in. It's billowing smoke, and we take it into the NEC. Um, and the, these are all things. And this comes back to the probably the the likability personality. Um, entrepreneurial angle where these are all things that it's really easy for people just to say no no I won't lend you a tank yeah. no you can't drive into my building <laughs> yeah. no you can't take it through our drive through through London but again it's back to that when I was 11 don't ask because everyone's just going to say no <laughs> just do it do it with a smile on your face yeah. and, it, and hope it doesn't go wrong yeah. and if it does fix it and apologise yeah um, so yeah, just don't get permission. So yeah, drove it in, set all the smoke detectors off um, at the NEC, so everyone knew we'd arrived. And then that was our booth. Right. So we we we'd got a banner, put grenade along as a banner, and then we we hadn't even got a table. So all the boxes of stock that we'd got, we set up as like a table, and we threw a camo net over it. Then and that was our table, and me and Jules just 
but stood there and we thought, we'll wait and see what happened. And we just stole the show. Yeah. And, and, and we were, there were people there from the States and they were like, man, someone's got a tank. <laughs> and it was really weird. So, and, and even now, we did a show in Ireland actually the weekend and there wasn't a tank at it, but everyone now uses the grenade stand as a meeting point. So it's right. quite funny. We see other brands saying, and I think this is how you know then how your brand is perceived in the industry when you've got other brands saying, come and find us at such and such a show. We're next to the grenade booth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of quite good because you'd never have Audi saying, oh, come and see us in Birmingham. We're next to BMW. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's kind of quite nice. Mm. But again, it comes back to as well. And people find this hard to believe. I'm really good owners, really good friends with all the owners of other brands because yeah. I was a distributor. I sold most of their products when I was a distributor. Mm. Um, we exited that business the right way, always did a good job for them. And I think because we've worked so bloody hard and done it the right way, we've never shit on anyone. Yeah. So it's really hard for people to bash Grenade yeah. or um, you know myself or Jules, the people that work there, because we believe in doing it the right way. Yes, we want to make money, but you want to make money with a conscience. Mm. Uh, we never copy anyone. We're always first to market. We work bloody hard. We're super innovative. Um, we're having fun. And everything we do is, frankly, helping everyone else. Mm. Sports nutrition was fairly dead, right. to be honest. No one had sold a sports nutrition business, really, for, for years. Uh, Oliver Cooks next did my protein to the Hut Group um, in, oh, I can't remember the year, perhaps about 2010, 2012-ish, maybe. Um, and they'd done some great stuff and continue to, to do so. But otherwise, that was just a purely online play. Um, and, and, you know, a, a budget play really for, um, you know, for commoditized product. Mm. I think all the other brands, and I'm thinking of brands I distributed when I was a distributor, uh, Pro Lab went bust, Champion went bust, Metrex pretty much went bust, really struggling, uh, EAS went bust, USP Labs went bust. So, on the, and on the other hand, there's Jules and I building a business worth tens of millions in exactly the same industry, selling to the same people. Um, but doing it in a different way. And I think just with better stuff that had a personality. Yeah. So I think because Grenade's got that personality, it's really kept enga consumers engaged and caring about the brand like we care about it. We've got this sort of almost evangelical following because I think a lot of other brands have just got stuff in tubs. Yeah. And who cares about stuff in tubs? Mm. So because we've really made it stand out and we've pushed ourselves out there, um, and, you know, that the personality of the founders has kind of found its way into the brand. It's kind of almost one and the same. Yeah. Um, so going back to the point of everyone benefiting, you know, when we did our first big deal for 35 million to growth point in, in early 2014, you know, who lost? It was great for us. It's great for the investors. Uh, great for all the team. All of our suppliers benefited. All of our retailers benefited from the increased sales and the PR. It's great for the consumers. They're getting great products. Now as well, because we've done protein bars and we've got, you know, I know we've got the best protein bars in the world, hands down. Um, but five years ago, before we developed Carb Killer, they were mostly terrible. Yeah. So we actually came in and made protein bars better. They didn't taste to cardboard. Yeah, yeah. Now everyone's had to do it. Yeah. Because if, they're, if they don't make them better, they're, they're stuffed. Mm. And even today, you know, 73% of all the growth is us. Wow. So without Grenade growing, no one's growing. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're just, we're absolutely creating all the growth in industry, mm. which I think probably the last time I can think of it being done probably was back in the the energy days with Red Bull, where they just created a category that didn't exist. Yeah. And prior to Red Bull, what was your alternative? You know, LucasAid? Yeah. 
um, which was just, again, probably given to you when you were ill. Mm. Again, they rebranded. But it was, you know, when you were, you're probably not older to remember. When no, I do was, remember when in, was in sick, the big glass Lucasade. bottles. Yeah, 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 yeah. got Lucaside. Yeah. Um, and they managed to rebrand it to an energy and a sports drink and very successfully. Um, then Red Bull comes along, you know, the caffeinated drink and who's the, you know, no one's done it before. So yeah. you have to create that category. It's hard, easy for everyone to follow. Mm. Um, but then they've got to do it better than we are. And they've got a good luck making better product. Yeah. Um, you know, we do we do a lot of existing product developments in our own range, so we will make our own product better before someone else can. Yeah. So we disrupt ourselves. Yeah. Um, and we really believe in doing that. Um, good luck working harder. Good luck getting a better team. Good luck getting a more memorable brand that consumers care about. So you know, these are all things we have to keep on top of. So if we, you know, drop off from that number one position, it's because we've 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 fundamentally messed up. Yeah. Or the market's not there anymore, which you know could just happen mm. um but chocolate's been around 100 years so hopefully we can get a few years out of yeah. it with something that's functionally better because mm. there's no function with the chocolate bar other than taste sure uh, and we've got that and functional benefit yeah um so you know hopefully as a consumer it's kind of a, a, a no-brainer mm. um and you know that's these are all little things that just kind of add up and collectively probably small little points add up to being a, a quite a big big result yeah so there's loads of stuff i can pick out there and you've probably half answered the next sort of two or three questions so um i'm just going to ramble for a minute and see if i can i've been rambling for an hour no no sorry it's it's your gig you can do what you like we're in (laughs) your house i just i wanted to have three hours just to annoy james yeah because he literally can't go you are going to go for the longest ever episode we've done aren't you no yeah yeah. i wouldn't do that i made a wee before that yeah yeah i've got Uh, some drinking liquid yeah is that like hitting you now yeah this is the, the nice thing with um with this and we, we touched on this before we started actually but because it's natural caffeine it, it it's it's patented it doesn't hit you like kind of cheap energy drinks do um so i'll get i'll get four to six hours of benefit out of that and no crash right which is, but I've been told to turn the camera around by james <laughs> marketing 101 face the camera in the right direction yeah Okay, so you talked about competition. Um, I am a huge... Speaking of which, you've got, we've not mentioned my podcast yet, so you've got competition coming. Ah, okay. Well, Do that now because, then. Yeah. yeah, well, I've got my own podcast now called Pull the Pin. Yeah. Um, so, which we were going to do a half joint episode, weren't we, today? But we don't need to now because I'm going to mention it anyway. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I got into podcasts probably about a, a year or so ago and uh, probably for similar reasons you did, actually. Mm. And, uh, yeah, we started our own podcast and... Um, you know, required to get off the ground. And then uh, we've just been soaring up the charts and we were, we, we jumped about 160 places Wow! Um, a couple of weeks ago and we're in the top 10 now. So Great. I would like just to again have the number one podcast in the UK, even just once, just say, just to say we've, we've done yeah. it. And um, well, hopefully we can help you get there. Oh, perfect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Pull the pin grenade. Listen, it's bloody brilliant. It's not like this shit. It's brilliant. <laughs> Should we just edit that bit yeah, out? Yeah, don't then? edit that out. We can't. It's, it's like, not like this and, shit. Yeah, and, uh, but, but well, yeah, it's really no different. I'm just, all, all, the only thing that's different from my that, podcast There is, is some a, shit in that. I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a different chair. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I'm going to go back and be nice. I'm going to have a yeah. bite of your um, yeah. new... Um, can I talk about this yet? You can, not? yeah. We launched that yesterday. Yes, so yeah, a salted caramel chocolate chip new protein bar. Before I do, I want to talk about competition. Yes. Because it seems like you have exactly the same 
attitude towards competition as me. And I see so many people in business. You slate, want to them all? No, I love them. I love them all. <laughs> I, want to, I, I want to learn from them. I want to get yeah. to know them all. I'd like a little elders of all of our competition to create a better industry. So I don't know if you're into personal development. I'm hugely into that. And there's a guy called Tony Robbins that's very famous. And so, you know, he just turned 60. I know. And what a legend. He looks good for 60. He does look brilliant for 60. And a lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, I do it better than Tony Robbins. The way Tony Robbins does it, or Tony Robbins is happy clapping or whatever. And I just think, you know, wait a minute. Tony Robbins created pretty much wide scale personal development. Yes. There's so many niches and industries and personal coaches and other companies have benefited from. I don't get that. I don't. What I, don't you get? I don't. Uh, it's, I don't know if this is just me. I, and I've got, I'm not bashing anyone that does it. Because I know it's nice for people to have like a, a belief system, whether it's religion mm. or there's one person they really want to follow, like a Tony Robbins, who's obviously, you know, made his money by, I mean, kind of telling people how to live their lives and be happy. Mm. Guess that we, you know, broadly say it. Yeah. I've got friends that follow him all around the world, um, going to his talks and listening. And I think at some point, maybe just start a bit of doing and a, and a bit less listening because I don't know how much, I know you can, you can always learn from other people. So I'm not, not knocking that, but you know, why can't you do both? You can, I think maybe the people I know that do it just constantly do a lot of listening maybe and they never, the really, never really get around, get around to, yeah. yeah, get around to doing the doing. Um, I think, I don't know. I've always kind of been a, more of a shepherd than a sheep. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying people follow so, those so people. So you don't listen, sheep, don't listen to podcasts, audio books, you don't get yourself sort of trained, like I learning all the time? Audio books, no. Um, I mean, I've got, I've got quite a bit of commuting, so I've got limited time in the car. A lot of the time I'm on the phone in the car, but, yeah. I, I, but I do like a podcast when I'm in the car. Um, I'm not, I'm perhaps not listening to those obvious people, maybe the Tony Robbins-esque ones, who are perhaps there inspirationally to to teach someone something? I'd rather um, I'd rather just listen to different podcasts. Yeah. To, to be honest, um, is that for education or entertainment or both? Bit of both. I mean, for instance, I'm listening to aviation podcasts at the minute because I'm just absorbing yeah. stuff to do with flying. So yeah. it's the educational. So you are teaching piece. yourself. Yeah, definitely. I'm, 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 don't get me wrong, I'm a massive mm. fan of lear learning. So why is there a stigma of happy, clappy, positivity, personal development? Then? I think it's because we've got, you know, business in the States and it's really common in the US. And I think maybe there's been a lot of incidences where it's perhaps not been done that well. And I've seen people get really, really sucked into following certain individuals mm. um, and living their life you know, behind that individual. What, and I evangelizing think, them. And, yeah, I think yeah. so. And I think it's probably then yeah. stood in their way of them going out and doing it for themselves. I don't yeah. know if that sounds fair. Yeah. I mean, if there's a specific episode you could recommend, I'm more than happy to have a listen. And again, I know I'll learn stuff. It's a matter yeah. of you've got to prioritize time. But I'm, I'm, yeah, maybe I've just not found one that mm. sort of I want to follow to that degree. Yeah. So um, that's interesting because that wasn't at all why I made the point. But okay. I, I think it's an interesting discussion, which is what I wanted to let it go. My point was a lot of people think they're competitors of Tony Robbins in personal development when they don't realise he's created this whole massive industry that a load of people are able to run their businesses because of it. And I think I've got a sense of that's what you've done. You know, you, you're friends with everyone in the industry, not competitors. 
you have your company has like the rising of the tide lifts all ships um, and so it would, might help the whole industry and anyone who can help the whole industry surely that's someone to be friends with not to go oh you're a competitor I'm going to beat you down and so I was just trying to pick out your attitude towards competition because it seemed to be more about friendship collaboration you know keeping your enemies closer to use a military term yeah rather than the the natural combative combative competitive nature which i think is quite common yeah so i think so with competition is a great thing because again it keeps us on our toes yes. and consumers are really the only people that matter in, in in these scenarios yeah get better product and i think that's been our mantra until everyone just blankly copies what we do and i've had that with friends from also not really friends acquaintances through sports nutrition and just blankly copied our trademarks and we've got 202 trademarks and we've got everything pretty well locked down and then they just blankly copied it. And How does that bit, make you feel? It, yeah, pretty pissed off, to be yeah. fair. Because it's hard not to be. And actually now, in the building, I'm probably the least pissed off about it because I'm so used to it. Yeah. Um, it. It's actually the rest of the team now get really pissed off about brands copying, especially stuff we trademarked. And, you know, I've, I've rung up sort of competitors before and gone, you can't use that. I've got that trademarked. Oh, sorry. Can't we both use it? No, we can't. You can't make trainers stick Nike on the side, go, oh, sorry, can we both use the Nike tick? Because that's not how like, the real world works. Yeah. Um, but there's there's quite a lot of that in business, which is just kind of stupidity, really. I think yeah. it's kind of common sense. Um, just thinking about the Tony Robbins thing and the podcast thing as well and, and, and th their businesses, I think the way I would distinguish it is if I was going to listen to, say, Richard Branson doing a podcast just about how they do business, for me, I would automatically gravitate more towards someone who was talking about their experiences in business than someone who was set up a business purely to tell people about how to run the business, but that is his business. Does that make sense? Because mm. has Tony Robbins got a separate business other than telling people how to be positive? I think he's got a lot more businesses than people understand. Yeah, okay. And I think he's a far smarter businessman than people understand. And I think, yeah. he's, I think he's hundreds of billions yeah, you know, but, not, but I sort of yeah. think for me, I would rather um, listen to... But we can't all be Richard Branson, can we? No, 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 no. not at all. But I think um, I, I, all of that sort of self Just so you know, stuff. I need to tell you this. Yeah. I have a company that trains people how to do things. Oh, I can imagine. So, I, so yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I, you know, like, and I'm, I'm keeping a... A balanced view. I just thought I'd let you know. Yeah, and um, I'm not. I'm not. No, I'm not knocking yeah. at all. And I thought. I know. Well, you can. I knew. I knew. Yeah, no, yeah. I knew. I know. I knew that was the case. Yeah. And I know people are finding that really valuable. Mm, but I mean, we, we we teach people how to buy property, but we own hundreds of properties. Yeah. Do you know what? Yeah. Brilliant. That's exactly what I'm saying with the Branson thing, for yeah. instance. So I think if people are learning from, and don't get people are learning from this, people are learning from me and my podcast. Yeah. So I'm not knocking it. But I'm just running a business and doing what I'm doing, and then I'm happy to go and talk about it. Yeah. I'm not kind of just set up a business just to teach people to be happy and be positive. Yeah. I don't quite get that. Yeah. Because if I was listening to that, well, I'm already happy and I'm already positive. Mm. But what if you're unhappy and negative? Yeah, I get that. Yeah. So I think that's why I don't gravitate towards right, those. Because there's no need for not you. not me. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I mean, could we be fair and say that personal development isn't just about being happy and positive? Yeah, definitely. I mean, how yeah. would you define, so aside from those two things, what would be the top three for you? What would be your top three personal development goals, potentially? I'd say... Outside of being happy and healthy. I'd probably say finding your own individual way. And I'm not sure mm -hmm. people talk about that a lot, but, you know, 
they, you could use terms such as self-actualization or, you know, what is your own path and journey? And I've definitely gone on journeys when I've learned from people and I've somewhat maybe tried to model them a bit or maybe try, not idolize them. But, you know, you talk about Richard Branson a lot and there's mm. traits of him you like. And you have to be careful with that because you don't want to become Richard Branson, but a, no. a not as good version. So for me, personal development is about learning from loads of people. So I'll tell you what I've learned from you. I've come in here. Immediately, this would be, be a long list. Immediately, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> sit back and enjoy. Really. Wait a minute. Oh, hang on a minute. Yeah. I'll just oh, hang on a minute. I'll just here sit we go. back. <laughs> Off you go. I'm now yeah. out of shot. By yeah. They can just see feet. <laughs> so, so what I've learned from you is, as soon as we came in, you were bouncing off the walls, and. You, you've been speaking at 100 miles an hour. You've had a smile on your face the whole time. You've had a really good laugh. You've given me a tour around the house. We've already found three or four or five things that we're interested in. We're, all getting into, we're already getting into debates yeah. and, and we're here sort of 90 minutes, two hours. And I've learned that from you and that's great. Because I just like talking about business. Yeah, so do I. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so for me, personal development, if you were to ask me to define it, is looking at people who've got elements of success or traits that you admire, maybe I want to be a more successful businessman. I've been in business, I'm in my 14th year. Yeah. And, you know, we're, we're maybe pushing 20 million a year, not including our portfolio. And we've got other cool things like the podcast and support program. But my business isn't doing a quarter of a billion. Um, and I think 10 years ago in personal development, I'd have gone, oh, you bastard, you're doing better than me. I, I feel insignificant. But now I just feel like, great, I'm me and you're you and I can learn something from you. And I get to learn as well as, you know, deliver a, hopefully a good piece of work. So I would say personal development is who are you? I, what do I learn about me meeting you? Not do I, oh, I really want to be more like you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, I completely agree. I, I, think, I think that's maybe, again, that's say with the, with the Tony Robbins thing. You know, have you got lots of people, say, watching him or, again, watching you, listening to you, and they're going, I just want to be Rob. I just, no one's saying they want to be Al. But um, I just mean, Rob, I just want to be Tony. But I think that's and, the part of them finding themselves. Because yeah, why is it okay to say I want... I want to worship a God, but not okay to say I want to be more like Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, it's no, it's absolutely yeah. fine. Yeah, it's absolutely fine. I think that, um, I mean, like we said, you know, personality goes, goes a long way. And I'm, I, I guess. Why do brands copy you? Sorry to, to, to interrupt. Yeah, I'm trying to get into this thought process. Why do brands copy you? Maybe they don't have faith they can do it themselves. Maybe they think they can learn from someone else. Maybe they think it's a quicker way. It's but easier, I think. Yeah, yeah but they, they, I bet you I've, I've copied people in the past. Yeah. I try not to rip them off. And for years, you won't have seen me do that to anyone. But I have in the past when I didn't know who I was. And I wonder if 15, 20 years ago, you might have modelled someone because maybe you... Probably, yeah. yeah. yeah but yeah, now yeah, you probably. know who you are and you know yeah. who Grenada yeah, People are copying a, you and you don't need to copy anyone else. That's a really good way of putting it. And I think, yeah, you're right. If you kind of know who you are you never want to aspire no. to be anyone else I'd hate for someone just... to say I'm a rip off of someone yeah I know yeah, yeah. no exactly and I, and I think everyone should definitely learn who they are and hopefully do it sooner you know rather, rather than later the most common you'll get this as well the most common question I get asked and it's daily is people saying to me I've got a business idea should I do it yeah well what a silly question of course you should do it yeah you know so but are they 20 or are they 70? Because yeah, that's a different answer. It is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, you need time to recover. Yeah. And, and you, like we said before, a lot of early businesses are going to fail, so chances are it won't work. But as long as you, you're young enough to recover. But we live in a society now where everyone's scared. 
the government love you being scared because if you're scared, you won't ask too many questions and they've got a bit more control over you and everything's blown out of proportion. It sells newspapers and yeah. we're all going to die of coronavirus and blah, blah, blah. Um, but people then take that fear factor and they become scared to do everything, yes. scared to launch a business, scared to follow the dreams, do what they want to do, doing it their own way. And it's just easy to follow someone else because it's just a safer route and less mm. risky. And people are very risk averse. And I get that. But who's going to build a business and do something extraordinary, which we clearly want to do, without taking the odd risk? Because mm. it's never been done before. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've, I've always been inspired by business leaders and people doing things differently and just being themselves. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. I, so that I, might be your version of... Tony I, I, Robbins. I think that's exactly yeah. my version of, of, of Tony Robbins. Yeah. And I think, yeah, you've probably summed it up just probably knowing who I am. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I've got a lot to learn. And one of the reasons that I'm still in business and loving it is I'm learning every day. Mm. If I wasn't learning every day, I'd just, just get bored. Yeah. It's back to the aviation thing. You know, it's just there's always stuff to learn. That's actually why I can't quite like aviation because have you ever met a pilot who knows it all? No. There you know, is so, always so much well, about martial another, arts, isn't it? Yeah, it's just a never-ending yeah. journey. It's a never-ending journey. So for people like us who always look for the next thing, they're really good things to do. Yeah. I don't think we should ever do something which is then finished. No. Because, you know, if you build a house, you can go and build another one. Yeah. So, and, and, and we'll do that. You know, if you go and buy an island, you'll go and buy another one. So... Um, I think there's something in this unfinished nature. Sorry to jump yeah, in again, no. but that's worth capturing. I think people are, are looking for this end game, something finite when they can retire, when they can be happy, when I'm they can be satisfied. I've done that. But I mean, if you talk to anyone who builds software, software is never finished. Yeah. You know, if you look at the software on the on the iPhones we're using, the iOS, that's version whatever point, whatever point, whatever point, whatever. And they're updating those, it seems like, every week now. So why does business have to be finished? People ask me, when am I going to retire? When I'm dead. Yeah. Uh, you know, you said, it was weird because you didn't say it in that way, but you said... The first thing you said about um, your family was our first um, family member died at work. And I immediately thought, I want to die at work. I've just got a revelation. I want to die at work. <laughs> we can arrange that I don't, today. No, 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 no. <laughs> I don't want to die at work today. Yeah. We can, choke, I, we can I, choke you with peanut M&Ms. <laughs> until, oh, it's not yet it's got the allergy. Yeah, maybe don't give Kieran peanut yeah. M&Ms. He's not dying around me. No, no, no. no, no. I, I, I wanna, not giving I'll, the kiss of life, are you? Not again. It's no. my fucking podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shut up. Looks so. Yeah, he's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I want to die doing what I love. Like Warren Buffett, he's going to die reading an annual statement. You know he is. Yeah. What is he now? 80... 742. No, I think he's about 80. Yeah, 82, yeah. Something like I that. think he's past 85 now. Yeah. He's still... So, so... Do you think in a way... Sorry, do you think in a way... <laughs> it's... Sorry, I'll, I'll hold that thought on a question. <laughs> Gee, I'm doing it on purpose now. Do you think that that's a little bit sad in a way? No! You kind of never get it. to no, well, an end game. Oh, sorry, let me never, ask. Do you see me, what I mean? Yeah. So if you never quite get... Because when's enough enough? Because it's not about money and wealth. Yeah. So we get that. It's not... You know, because then no amount of money will ever be enough money because you can always go and do more things. Yeah. But um, I don't know, part of this, I suppose this probably comes down to how you manage your life and having time off and breaks and time for you. But yeah, my dad kind of, he was never going to retire because his fa family all died at work, as I yeah. said. So I bought his business off him yeah. and just sold it immediately because I didn't want it right. to make him retire. Yeah. So he retired at 60 and then actually had a retirement and he never picked up a spanner i don't want to retire ever, ever again so, you, but i'm scary. really glad my dad's had 17 years of retirement because yeah. otherwise he'd have died at work yeah mm. and, and made no money from it so in my dad's case that worked yeah really well i think if, if someone is of a maybe a more employed mindset and what they would like to do if they had their ideology would be to 
you know, have an allotment and to relax yeah. and to spend yeah. time with children and stuff. I'm not knocking that great. I, and I agree, that yeah. contentment. But exactly. yeah, for entrepreneurs, that does work. Sorry, I interrupted yeah. you. I just wanted your thoughts on no, that. No, it's all right. Yeah, yeah. So, so for me, um, the, the fact that there is no end game is exciting. It's not, I mean, it's a paradox because it can be scary. But, but for me, the fact that there is no end and tomorrow I could do something better or figure something out or get a positive surprise or meet a really cool person or whatever well, else, there that's you go. really that's, exciting. Well, that's, that's, you've ticked that box for today. Yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and why would I want that to, to, to finish when I'm 60 or 70? Or, yeah. And, you know, but on the other side. having fun, so you yes. know at work because you're enjoying yes. it. And that's the best thing about having a brand because a brand is never finished. Yes. So you can always evolve it and make yeah. it better. Yeah, and more products and more lines and yeah, yeah, more flavours. Yeah, and I think for me, we probably don't really want many more products. I just can't out making great stuff, but yeah. we could have done everything we wanted to do, really, just with one product. Yeah. And lots of brands do. But um, And I bet if we had a, a podcast in 10 years, you'd have a load more products. Oh, I can guarantee it because yeah. I can't help myself. Yeah. Um, I just like disrupting and creating products that I think are solutions for people and doing yeah. things better and just disrupting industries mm. so i just think the you know in, in the case of grenade energy i think the energy industry again was ripe for some disruption yeah just with something that's a bit more natural mm -hmm. um like the chocolate industry was ready for disruption clearly and you've seen it in the drinks industry with fever tree and craft beers and, and brew dog and it's really given all the bigger established brands a good for the, run for the money mm. um and i think you know at all those bigger established brands all those people kind of work there and you know a lot of work nine to five a lot will put the extra hours in but no one owns it as such. Yeah. So who's really got that extra 5% of drive in those FMCG brands mm. compared to someone who owns their own brand is always going to be working that bit harder, thinking that bit more creatively, putting in the extra hours at the weekend. I mean, you'll, you, you'll be like me. If you're awake, you'll be thinking about work and yeah. how you can do stuff with property. If you go running, you're thinking about it. And that's the only thing. That, that in a way, having a business can become... You know, it's a 24-7 thing. It's not something you can turn on and off. Mm. And I think that's a big misconception. A lot of people say to me, you know, when, when do you relax? Were well, you not thinking about work? I'm always thinking about work. Yeah. But that's actually one of the best things about flying. Yes. If you're flying around, you, can't you think about really work. can't be yes. thinking about work because you have to concentrate on what you're yeah. doing. And again, it's one of the reasons I like flying. Otherwise, mm. I wouldn't relax. I like training, but if I'm training, again, I'm thinking, because I'm, I'm in the industry, so I'm thinking about it even more yeah. if I'm training. Um, so, uh, yeah, sorry, we digressed. That's all right. That's good. So brand loads of my community have asked a question along the lines of how did you come up with the idea of the brand for grenade? Was there a, you know, eureka moment in terms of, you know, the, the actual physical yeah, pretty much. brand. Yeah, yeah. So can you tell us about that? Yeah. So we, we sat on the, the, sorry, I developed the formula back in 2006, as I said, and because we hadn't got a brand, we didn't want to stick it in some generic white bottle next to uh, you know, everyone else with some very chemically scientific, complicated name that no one's going to remember. Because I'd worked in gyms for pretty much 10 years prior to having Grenade you know, on and off. Uh, one of the things I, I, I'd learned was, well, in fact, actually at the time, a lot of the competitor weight loss products were like 12 capsules a day. Wow. People would either forget to take them or they don't like taking capsules. And if you talk to consumers, that's just something you learn. So if, if you think um, yeah, a lot of competitive products uh, had got a lot of capsules, and it also didn't represent very good value for money, because you could generally only fit like 100 capsules in the bottle. So at 12 a day, you've got like eight days worth. Yeah. Um, that was one thing. And the second thing was, and this I'd only learned this by recommending people to other brands. And um, 
they couldn't remember the names. So I'd, I'd uh, recommend a specific product. And the next day they'd go, oh, I couldn't remember the name of that product you told me. So I just bought this one. And I'm like, well, that wasn't the one that I said. Anyway, um, so I actually come up with something. I'm a big believer in keeping things simple. Um, having a simple name that's memorable, protectable globally. Um, and our product was four capsules a day and it was still 100 capsules. Mm. Um, and it's really the, the thing that shocked me. So I thought, actually, this is, you know, better value for money because it's like a month's worth. And at the time, one of my, uh, he sold it now, but one of my friends had a, a competitor brand and I'd uh, been a distributor for for them. Great friend of mine. And he got a good weight loss product that, again, was 100 capsules, 12 a day. Good product. Um, and that was 30 quid retail. This is a super intelligent guy. 30 quid retail. My product was 45 quid retail. And... When I showed him and told him about Grenade and launched it, uh, his exact response was, oh, you greedy bastard. <laughs> and and um, in fact, he said, you fucking greedy bastard. <laughs> um, I said, why is that? And he went, well, because, you know, you're 45 quid and I'm 30. And I'm like, how many capsules is yours? He went, 100. I went, yeah, so is mine. I said, how many is yours a day? And he twigged. He was yeah. like, ah. Oh. I said, so hang on a minute. I'm a month's worth at 45. You're a week's worth at 30 yeah. and I'm expensive. Yeah. How does that work? Yeah. And that's a clever guy that's in the industry. Now that at the time was really hard to convey to consumers because consumers don't get value for money like yeah. that. I think they tend to, it might be different now, but I think they just tend to look at the outlay and not how long the product lasts. Yeah. Um, but, but that was something where genuinely we actually wanted to get better value for money, even though it was more expensive, if that made sense. Um, so again, I've forgotten the question now, but it was. Uh, oh, you said about the name. Yeah, yeah. sorry, you said about the name. Yeah. Uh, yes, so memorable. Uh, and then I sat on the formula, and then I was out running one day, and it, back to the point of you're always thinking, was that running? I, I'm really into military stuff. I've got loads of friends in in military, and specifically elite military. And I had a friend of mine at the time, and he'd been doing some training for um, special forces, and that involves a lot of cardio and, and whatever. And I gave him some uh, white capsules that had no name. Uh, just for knowing it's a good product and he benefit. And uh, and I said, I watched think of that uh, product. And he said, it was like a swallow the grenade. <laughs> right, job done. Boom. Yeah, job done. And you just and, got that moment. Yeah, and, and actually oh, it, it, it. it kind of gets interesting from there. So I went home and I said to my wife, I've got the name, we're going to call it Grenade. She's like, yeah, great. And the, and again, the brilliant thing so with, with Jules is when you start a business, if you can find anyone to be supportive and believe what you're doing, take it because everyone else was really not to do it yeah. shit idea don't bother blah 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 even my parents didn't want me to do it um so jules was like yeah we'll do it so we've got the name the name's not enough because it's such a good name i don't just want again generic white bottle called grenade yeah. so we decide to do the graph if we could actually get a grenade bottle mm. and put it in a bottle but this is like next level stuff now so um i rang my dad i had no idea where i, I googled it and just, yeah, you can't find grenade bottles that way. So you can now. So um, I actually rang my dad and I said, any idea where I got? I don't know why I rang dad because dad doesn't know anything about anything. But anyway, uh, I rang my dad. And the one person dad knew in the world was the guy who had the business opposite him when he was a mechanic. And he happened to have a tooling company. Oh, wow. Which was going bust at the time. So right. I literally went in and um, they made us a grenade bottle and we still use them to this day. Nice. And, and like, we're their only customer. Yeah. Um, 
But um, yeah, I'm, I'm just amazing. So, and I love supporting other businesses yeah. as well. And, and they, they've been absolutely fantastic with us and we couldn't have done it without them. And again, that gave us now two levels of protection. In fact, three, because protecting the capsules, protecting the name itself and protecting the shape of the bottle. Yeah. So now we're kind of, excuse the pun, but pretty bomb proof in terms mm. of um, trademarking. And uh, we did that. And that's what took a lot of time in terms of trademarking yeah. um, and protection. And then uh, we got that in the EU. We immediately applied for the US just through naivety, I think, um, really, because we haven't sold a single bottle in the UK at this point. And turns out in the US, someone's already got the name for, of Grenade in sports nutrition, which happened to be a drink which they'd had and hadn't sold and they discontinued. It only turns out that the guy that owned this trademark in the US, I'd been a sub-distributor of a sub-distributor of with my business in the UK when I had my distribution business. So mm. um, it was owned by Nature's Best in the US. He had a subsidiary in Belgium. They had a subsidiary in the UK, and I bought off that UK business. Right. So because I'd sold this guy's – we didn't know him with Madam, but because I'd sold this guy's product, I rang him up and said, you know, will you sell me this trademark? I know you're not using it. Um, and he wanted a ridiculous amount of money for it. And I said, look, I've got no money, basically, <laughs> but I really want to buy this trademark. And we're a small business, and it's me and my wife, and we're trading from home – and look, you know, I've sold your stuff for years and this is who I am. We managed to get this trademark for a fraction of really of what, it, what it's worth. And um, we kind of had this negotiation. And uh, about a year later, he came to the UK and he saw us everywhere. And this was the last time I ever spoke to him. He sent me a really shitty email <laughs> saying, um, yeah, he said Grenade is not a small business, <laughs> <laughs> basically. Uh, which it genuinely still was. We were yeah. a year later. We were still training at home. It was still two of us. It was still Jules and I. Yeah. We got like a million in sales, but from home, running really lean and mean. Um, and uh, yeah, he he sent me that. But again, we should never really have got probably that trademark. But I think just the kind of being fearless with it and 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 going for it. You know, we could only say no. And again, we got a backup, and we were going to do it anyway yeah. with, with a backup name. And I think generally... What was people, the backup name? Uh, we were going to call it Thermo Grenade. Oh, right. Um, yeah. Which, again, would have left us in very... And we still own the trademark for that, actually, as well. But that was going to leave us potentially on thin ice with, 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 uh, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a trademark. Yeah. Um, is, that, is that because of the military? or is No, it, just because, no. again, it was very close to, oh. to Grenade. Oh, okay, um, so it was probably too close. And there were just other spins on the, on the, the word um, yeah. Grenade. Um, but, again, just that sort of Jules Nykash, you know, us being us. It's just kind of worked. And I think because we were just that sort of husband and wife team, um, I think people wanted to help us because it was a real underdog story. Yeah. Um, and people just like that. I yeah. think, you know, when it's kind of us versus big business, people have always kind of backed us to win. Mm. And when we when we made that product, the number one selling weight loss product in the UK, it was actually the guys at Maximuscle, you know. In fact, it was Lapso Smithline that told me, one of the GSK guys, who owned Maximuscle, he rang me and told me, and he was just as chuffed as I was. Yeah. Because with no disrespect to, you know, what they were doing, people were kind of looking at us, I think, and and I think almost the entrepreneurial journey that we've had, I think most people would have liked, and I think they've seen it through our eyes and have just kind of been rooting for us, mm. um, so to speak. And, and they rang up and said, yeah, you're now the number one selling wellness product in the UK. And I would never have known because they were buying all the data yeah. and that, that, that told them that. Uh, and again, I was kind of, I was super chuffed, but it was just that, okay, tick the box, right? What's the next thing we want to do? Yeah. And 
you know, it, like we said earlier, it's great taking the wins, but you, you quickly move on to something else that you mm. want to do. And we're just driven people where we just want to keep on pushing forward and doing amazing stuff. Yeah. like having the number one podcast in the UK. Well, maybe we can help you get to number two behind us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, number two, yeah. yeah. Great, yeah, not, wh- whatever. Great story. Yeah, all right then. <laughs> yeah. um, we've already been number one in the UK. Yes, no, I saw yeah, one. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Well done. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It really is. It really is. <laughs> thing um, is, now I'm on it, you're going to be number one for even longer. Perfect. That's a, that's a collaboration, <laughs> it isn't is it? A collaboration. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Talking about collaborations, yeah. um, that tank stunt was obviously a brilliant marketing campaign. You've got to stunt it very carefully, tank stunt. You, you, you have, you, yeah. You can lose your way with that very quickly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the cunning stunt. Kieran just got that. It was going to be laugh five minutes after everyone else. Yeah, yeah. Bodybuilders that, for That's the good jokes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's probably low on carbs. <laughs> so um marketing whether it's influencer marketing affiliate marketing you know talk a bit about how you've grown a disruptive brand and what marketing strategies you've used so in terms of convention we just yeah we've always kind of defied convention and i think it's because i've never had a marketing background so i don't really know all about sales funnels and various marketing strategies and seo and ppc and i'm just not a digital online guy so i just kind of like getting a tank and driving through London because it's good fun and it's simple. Yeah. And I think, and I can understand it. And I think if I can understand it, everyone else can understand it. Mm. So I get quite frustrated when things become overly complicated. So yes, of course, we've got like a digital strategy now. Uh, we're just in the, in the um, going through uh, rebranding and uh, redeveloping our, our website, which is long overdue. So that'll be done later in the year. Um, and there's loads of strategies uh, behind that. But I think for me, I just like... Uh, keeping things super simple, doing things that are disruptive, that generally aren't expensive, um, that put a smile on people's face, yeah. starting with ours. So yeah. later on this year, for instance, and it's going to be finished about May time, we've, because everyone said, oh, you know, what's next after the tank? Because everyone loves the tank. And there's still, there's loads more we can do with that. But we've got, uh, we've bought a grenade-shaped hot air balloon. I don't know if you've seen this. Right. Um, I haven't seen yeah. it yet. No. So yeah, imagine a giant yeah. hot air balloon, but it's 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 grenade. Yeah. We've got uh, Golf, November Alpha, Delta Echo. Right, it's the Reg. Yeah. See what we did there. Yeah, and um, yeah. I mean, I, again, I sent it to Richard, and Richard likes a hot air balloon, and uh, he loves it as well. Yeah. Um, and and again, you know, is that I could just realize, I mean, is that copying something that Virgin had done? 20, 30 years ago. I mean, don't think so. I think well, it's maybe our, it's being it's inspired. It's being, being inspired by, yeah. yeah, definitely. And it's just our version of doing that. And again, I like flying. And where we can't, where we don't want to go and turn up at events and we don't sponsor events and we don't just want to pay to turn up at shows, we can have good fun with that, disrupting other people's events yeah. and kind of being a bit of a pain in the arse. <laughs> but, in, but in a way that, put a smile on people's face i can just yeah. see potentially at glastonbury and we just got to go floating past <laughs> on bbc one yeah um but i'm just seeing people going our stuff if we get it right people should look at that and know it's us yeah without knowing it's us yeah and, and i think if you can start to own activations and you can do posts and they not say the word grenade on and people just know it's us yeah we're, we're doing it right because mm. uh, we never want to upset or offend anyone no. but we're a serious brand because we make really serious product and it's informed sport and likes to be deal with the military yeah but if we start taking ourselves seriously it's all gone horribly wrong yeah because there's just too much of that in the world mm. there really is 
Um, and, you know, if we drive through London and four million people see it digitally, you'll get about three complaints. Yeah. There's all, you know, you're always going to get complaints. Yeah. Um, but you can't keep everyone happy, can you? No. And, you know, if you get four million complaints, you've probably done something wrong. But I don't think it's hard to get Ofcom complaints yeah. now because people's default state is they're automatically offended. <laughs> Please change my mind. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're just us, really. Yeah. Okay, cool. So we're gonna we've got community questions, cheeky round, and best advice. Yeah, okay. Um, it's gone wrong now. She's had to refer to the iPad. <laughs> <laughs> you can't keep it on uh, his head. That's pretty yeah. good though. We've yeah. done. What have we done? We're we must be ninety in. minutes in. What are we in now? An hour and a half in. And oh, look at finished that. Just, yet. just getting warmed and up. I haven't just even getting, looked. I haven't even looked at this. Up. So if just you want some interview up. tips, yeah, you can hire me for. Okay. Yeah, for that. definitely. Yeah. yeah, definitely. It's all. In, it's all in the guest. I think. That is true. That is true. Okay, so. Do you watch documentaries? No. Oh, okay. So um, <laughs> I'm that's, that's ruin this one. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, sorry. Because uh, I just yes. thought of a couple I know you'd love. Okay, go on. So, just, uh, so you, there's one called Fire, F-Y-R-E, about okay. a guy who created this crazy high-end festival and the campaigns and the marketing was unbelievable, but it all went totally wrong because he couldn't deliver it and he ended that. up in prison okay. and you would love it because he's very disruptive and cheeky. He just pushes the line too far, okay. but it's really clever. That sounds like my sort of thing. Yeah, and then Supermensch about the guy. I think he um, he, he used to be behind a lot of the big metal bands in the, the 70s and 80s. What, who was the guy that bit off the chicken's head, or the, but actually Ozzie. didn't? Was it Ozzy? Oh, so, um, Supermensch, um, yeah. You should watch that as well, just yeah, so okay. I let you know. Yeah, all right. yeah, you'll, you'll love them. I don't watch that much TV. But documentaries, um, though, it's not the same as TV. No, no, yeah. no, exactly. But no, just just TV, um, full stop. Yeah. I've actually, because the thing is, I don't know if you're the same, but I get back and, uh, you know, and I'm pretty drained. Yeah. Know, not physically, but mentally, um, especially with everything we've got going on at the moment. So probably, and, and a lot of times the point that I probably should train, but I'll try and train in the mornings. It, it, it's, it's better for me. Yeah. But I, so I can't really train in the evenings. I'm just, I'm just not quite in the right headspace. And I, I, I'm gonna, I've still got quite a lot of work to do in the evenings. But I like to just probably have something to eat and then maybe just something kind of wash over me mm. um, that I've seen before and I haven't right. really got to concentrate on. I've just started watching. This is going to sound stupid. I've started watching 24 yeah. again because I watched it the first time. That will take over like your whole life. That will take oh, over no, your whole 10 life. Seasons. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's quite nice to do 40 minutes of a night. I've yeah. seen it before twice. So I can just half yeah. watch it and just slowly right. unwind. I think for me, because I'm Do you watch Billions? I love Billions. I knew you would. Yeah, so there's one, there's one you have to watch. Yeah. I promise you when you watch this, you, you, you'll email me. You, okay. You'll have to. It's called Succession. Have you ever seen it? No. Oh, my God. It's the best one ever. Okay. It's about a, a, a founder, an old guy who owns a company, yeah. Billions. What are you trying to say? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's this guy. He's a bit of a knob end. Um, he's yeah. got a brand. Yeah, he's got an M&M machine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. He, doesn't, so, he doesn't shut up. Yeah, you'll love it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um yeah, and actually, it's great getting recommendations because yeah, if succession. I start watching something cold, nine times out of ten, within five minutes, it just hasn't grabbed me. Yeah, I liked Suits originally. I got yeah. bored of Suits. Yeah, but I quite like the snappiness of Suits. But no, Billions is super. Yeah, how much do you want to be? I don't <laughs> how much do you want to be, well, Bobby Axelrod? I, I know you do. I love heavy metal. And oh, I'll, I'll wear go. those T-shirts yeah, with suit yeah, jackets and he's rocking yeah, all those T-shirts. Yeah, and then everyone's saying to me, oh, you're trying to be like Bobby Axelrod. I'm like, yeah. no, he's trying to be like me. Like, <laughs> but do you know what as well? And he's just got the best one-liners. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a lot. And this is going to sound ridiculously arrogant, but you'd have to understand how much pressure he's under and the context of the show. But there's a brilliant bit in Billions where 
he's just trying to screw someone over by buying all those books he knows that other guy wants. So, yes. so there's a, yeah. Um, and he just says, go and buy every edition all over the world of that book and just put them in storage. Yeah. Just to be a cock, basically. <laughs> yeah. You'd do it. We'd do it. You'd all do it. If you're in the right circumstance, any entrepreneur would do this. And, uh, and his, PA or whatever says, well, that's going to cost a fortune. And he just says, it's a good job I'm fucking rich, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. um, and it's just brilliant. And there's a couple of those. And there's the other one where I think uh, Taylor that works for him thinks he's going to try and escape custody on his boat. And is his boat going to come and pick him up from these docks, the standing at the docks? And he just said, uh, yeah, the draft on my boat is too big for this dipshit marina. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Just yeah. Brilliant. Again, there's absolute, absolute classics. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I will. I will watch those. Um, other documentaries. I think because I care about a lot of stuff, like for, for instance, like The Apprentice, things like that. Mm. I can't watch that because it winds me up. Mm. Because Dragons Den and all. I, I used to love things like that, but as you know more about business, you watch it and just know that it's mostly bollocks. Mm. <laughs> so and they don't happen. Yeah. And the business is really overvalued, and you yeah. sit in there, and I'm like, no, don't do it. That's yeah. a shit idea. And thinking that one's brilliant. You should do that. And it's just I, I can't watch all that fakery. Yeah. Um. But. Uh, yeah, I don't watch that much TV at all, really. Mm. But I will start watching those. I've started watching bits of YouTube. Yeah. Stuff on YouTube a bit more. Mm. And I watched Game Changers. Yeah, a lot of people have been going about, on about yeah, that. Yeah, because someone's going to watch that. And that's mm. quite good. You've got to take it with a pinch of salt, and it's factually correct, but it's it's quite... The way it's um, the way it's been shot is a little bit misleading. Yeah. Um, but it's not untrue, but it's... Yeah the examples they've given aren't entirely fair yeah. uh, against the meat industry, but it's very interesting and very well shot. Mm. All right. Should okay. we do community question. Community question. Yes. Far away. All right. So this one is from, uh, Jace, a Thorai. And, um, I've sort of reworded it just to help her out. Um, could you distill your success down to a mantra? Or an MO, you know, do you have one phrase or line or mantra that you would summarise what you're about? If you were really to just distill it to that point, because there's there's 20 things you can say here and you need to do all of them in terms of all the hard work and risk and whatever. But I think you've just got to be you, haven't you? I know it sounds really shit, but if you can't wake up and just be you, if you, if you build a business by not being you, yeah. at some point it's going to go horribly wrong. Yeah. So I think you have just got to be yourself. Someone actually asked me a question this morning. They just said something about um, value for money and they just started a business. And how do you know things they thought were cheap weren't cheap and things they thought they were expensive were cheap? And how do you get a reference for value for money within your business when you're learning? And also, how did she value her product or service? And I just said, well, it's all relative. Because what I think is expensive, you might think it's cheap and vice versa. So, so actually, all this just is really, it's all relative. As long as you're happy and you yeah. think that's a good price for what you offer, don't have, don't let anyone challenge you on that. Yeah. It's kind of that simple, really. I think people kind of they doubt their own ability, don't they? Quite a lot, especially early in business, yeah. and even later in business, people doubt their own ability. Yeah. Um, but no, be you. Okay, I'm going to add one for you that I've picked up, sort of borrowed an existing one and then added your bit on the end. So it's improved said, it by one of my quotes. Well, this is this wall is to you. Wall wisdom, we like to call it. Yes, it wall, wall to wall wisdom. Wall, wall to wall wisdom. That'd be your YouTube channel name, it wouldn't will. it? Wall yeah, to wall it wisdom. Will. Yeah. But like, beg for forgiveness. Don't ask for permission with a smile on your face. How's that? Yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, so I'll answer your questions next time. Yeah, then. okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that that probably is better than mine. Um, although I did say that earlier in the podcast. Yes, but... you did about ten times. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. Cool. So this is from Andy Jones. 
What principles make us uh, a brand successful? Principles. Okay, so you've got to have a world-class product or service, I think. You could, you could get, depending on what the industry is, you could get to a point without that, but how long is it going to be before someone does something better? Yeah. So I think that's the absolute bare minimum. And like you said earlier, with entrepreneurs, we're never happy. So if, if you're probably 70 to 80% happy, you should probably do it. Yeah. Um, and then again, improve as you go along, or maybe you know what you're trying to do can't be done, but we don't like to think that things can't be done because otherwise we would never do anything. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, definitely you've got to have a world-class product or service. And I think after that, it's kind of all the obvious stuff of taking risks, disrupting, being yourself, yeah. hard work, surrounding yourself with brilliant people, being flexible, learning, disrupting yourself, um, taking you know constructive criticism, finding out how you can evolve, always looking for the white space, um, and it just goes on and on and on and on. Mm. And I think you know in our in our case, we have to make sure you know that we're we're sampling a lot. You know we're doing shows, being visible, disruptive marketing. Again, we've got things like the the tank, and we shouldn't just be doing what everyone else does. Um, and I think if you're doing all these things, like I said earlier, if someone then comes and overtakes you, at least you can turn around and think, do you know what? We gave that a bloody good shot. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if I'm super competitive because, you know, <laughs> entrepreneurs are and you will be definitely. And I think we don't like to lose. But if we do lose and you can't always win, you want to look back and go, do you know what? I did everything possible I could have done mm. to, to, to do that. I'd hate to look back, and it's back to that regret thing, regretting things you haven't done. I'd hate to look back and think, oh, I wish we'd done that. I wish we'd worked harder. I yeah. wish we'd had better product. I wish we'd sampled more. I wish we'd done that show or met that person. And I, like I said earlier, I just don't really have any regrets. No. We've thought about it. We've done it. And we've done it the best we could at the time. So, great. yeah, so be it. After that, yeah. really, there's not much more you can do. You can't beat yourself up over it. No. All right, great. So this is from Zach Khan. What motivates you? Okay. I think, oh, right, in terms of what motivates me, I've, and again, I said, like I said earlier, really, I'm inherently quite lazy. So I think I like being around inspirational, clever people. And, uh, and you know, by that, I mean, from the team to people that we work with and people that we know in our network. So I love meeting other entrepreneurs. Even if they're just in startup mode, and I love seeing, you know, their motivations and inspirations for doing things differently, and and just their 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 passion for doing things. And everyone says about me, I'm really passionate, and I don't really realise that because again, I'm just me. But everyone says about how passionate I am for for grenade and for for business. Um, what else motivates me? I just I like I think it's the creation of something that hasn't been done before. Mm. So where we had. For instance, when we launched our protein bars and quickly became the number one selling protein bar in the UK, but it, it wasn't it wasn't easy, but it wasn't that hard because it wasn't that big. So the hard thing about it was it wasn't a thing, and I suppose we, we made it a thing, but it wasn't necessarily a big number. And I think then where we've started, or I've started to get more motivated, is when you start looking at the food industry and then we see our products sat on, on Amazon in sports, but also in food, and we've been the number one selling food in the UK wow. on Amazon, yeah. which is 30 million unique users monthly. Mm. And, yeah, it's great being the number one protein bar and outselling other protein bars, but I love the fact that we can outsell coffee. Yeah. And 
pampers and toothbrushes and stuff that people buy every day. Yeah. And then we started thinking of ourselves, okay, let's not look at sports. Let's look at chocolate. Where can we sit in chocolate? And when we got the chocolate data, we were 15th and I became obsessed with being number one. Right. And then we leapt from 15th to broadly fourth. And we announced then that we were fourth. It was it was August 2018 because I was yeah. sitting in here because at the time I'd um, – I'd got suspected mumps. I couldn't go into work. It's all been disinfected, don't worry. And I hadn't got mumps. <laughs> uh, it was just some horrendous skin disease. It was fine. Uh, it was that chair where Kieran sat. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, do you feel itchy? Because yeah, uh, no. So and and uh, head of category Mike rang me and said, uh, "Oh, we're fourth. And I went straight to LinkedIn as you do and put it on LinkedIn. And uh, Kellogg's got all upset about it, and Kellogg's complained, uh, even though we. Kellogg's weren't even in the top 10, so it was really nothing to do with them. But they were having a board meeting in the US and it got it got mentioned as board meeting and they got really defensive on behalf of Mars, who were um, who were fifth and we were fourth. And uh, they challenged IRI and IRI said we had to take the post down and I refused and asked if it wasn't true. And of course it was true. So they then have to go back to Kellogg's and tell them that actually the data is true and basically tough tits. And um, and after that, then I just thought, you know, do you know what? Let's become number one. Yeah. And things that are quite motivational because you've got the barometer of, you know, three, yeah. number two, we were number two for ages beyond kinder. Mm. And that's motivational. But I think you need as well more stuff than just like that obvious one goal of being number one because then when you're number one, what what then? Yeah. And you want to stay number one. Um, and um, yeah, I'm just... Yeah, I'm just kind of – I just love business, so I yeah. just love doing diff- different stuff, really. All right, great. What motivates you out of interest? Uh, I love meeting inspirational people. I, thankfully, I can do this for fun as well as some yeah, kind yeah, of work. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, I would – every day of the week for half a day, because obviously I'd like to see my family and do other stuff as well, but every day of the week for half a week, I could go and meet a really interesting, cool people – I mean, I, I, I like business, entrepreneurship, celebrity, yeah. just because it's fascinating and it's an area of interest. Um, I could do this all day, every day. And um, so what motivates you, I suppose, is continual learning. Yeah. Feeling like, ah, oh, today I've got more tools. I'm a bit better. I'm a bit stronger. I'm a bit faster. I could be sharper. That, that definitely motivates yeah. me. Um, I, I do always want to move up on the journey. Yeah. So I, I, maybe you shouldn't admit this, but I think it's good to be honest. I do like when I get to number one in, I've got three or four of my books into number one in all books in the UK yeah, on fantastic. launch and I'm nonfiction. So that's, yeah. you know, not a thing. In fact, the only one that didn't get to number one in the last three years was one of my property books. And that 50 shades of gray was one. The second version was two. The third version was three. And then, Property Investing Secrets was number yeah. four in my book. So that made me feel amazing. Yeah, yeah. And that was a tough crowd. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, I always feel sorry for people that have been uh, something like a sprinter. Yeah. And they've, and again, it's back to that timing point. They happen, their sprinting career just happened to overlap with Usain Bolt. Yeah, what do you do? How unlucky is that? Yeah, it is. <laughs> just yeah. in the sense that, you know, for however long, 10 years, he was, and you're always going to get that to a point. But yeah, yeah. that was kind of. Particularly unlucky if the fastest man of all time mm. happened to be your competitor at that time. Yeah. Um, yeah, back to that timing again. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, just I mean, similar for me the with the journey, really. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Cool. Okay. So this is from Mike, Mike Keithley. Uh, and you can summarize it if you want. What challenges did you come up with building your brand? Like, what, are there only two or three big ones that were like, oh, shit, this is hard? I think maybe. I mean, it's all been hard and it still is. I. Th- uh, We've we've built we've built a big business through retail. I'm a real fan of retail 
bricks and mortar retail, which kind of feels quite old fashioned now, because again, we're huge on Amazon as well. And obviously online is important, um, especially nowadays. But I think I quite like building something through retail channels and just something as as simple as going to the supermarket and seeing a product on the shelf because they don't have elastic shelves and that in itself is quite hard. More so now with, say, petrol stations, for instance, where we're, you know, we've got, seven, again, 70 plus percent of the category in petrol stations is, is us, where all you've got in there is, you know, tea, milk, bread, coffee, chocolate bars, Pepsi, yeah. Coke, you know, super competitive with um, who else is, is around there. And that's a massive challenge with retail, because for you to get in, someone else is coming out. Right. That. That's still hard. And I think getting retailers to make better decisions quicker because retail is very slow mm -hmm. and something fast in retail is probably, you know, within a year. Right. And if you're an entrepreneur, that's just like a lifetime. You can yeah. do a lot in a year. Yeah. That, that's a big challenge. Mm -hmm. if you, obviously, it's quicker through digital. But I do believe with us, if you can build bricks and mortar retail, that's harder. The digital player then is easier because people buy bars in store, then buy boxes online. Right. I think if you build it the other way, it's hard. If you build a big business online, it's generally a lot of the time the, the pricing gets damaged and it doesn't then work in retail. You yeah. can't do it in reverse. That's a big challenge. Finding the right people. Yeah. Certainly all, early on, it's almost impossible. Uh, and we've been quite fortunate in the sense that we've got no regretted levers. We, we've really got, we've lost no one we ever wanted to keep. Yeah. And I'm not sure how many people could really say that. Um, we've had people that have gone on and started their own businesses, which, you know, I'm the first person to applaud that. And I think everyone should should do that. Um, but, yeah, get, getting the right people is very difficult. You need kind of mini extensions of you. Yeah. And entrepreneurs can either be the easiest people to work for or the hardest, yeah. depending on, on the day. Um, and, yeah, if you don't get it right, that's just miserable for them and for you. So yeah. that the people thing's particularly hard. And I don't know anyone who wouldn't say that. Uh, for us early on, I think getting people to take us seriously mm. because we were the, the man and woman who turned up with no money, a tank and product in a grenade <laughs> bottle. So uh, everyone would just kind of laugh, yeah. uh, really. And I think people really wanted to hate it. But the, uh, the, I think the real clever thing about grenades, certainly still now and back then was as well that I like going over and above what people would expect. Like we said with products and we said about being disappointed with other people's products and services earlier. Um, we make really effective products. We mm. might market them in a strange way or unconventional way. We make really effective products. Yeah. So I think people were having something like Grenade as kind of a gimmick and not expecting it to be that good. And then when they were having the fat burner and still do, people get results. It mm. works. It's not a magic pill. You have to take control of moving and eat, moving more and eating less. Yeah. But the amount of people that come back and go, do you know what, that product's fantastic, or like with Carb Killer, and they buy it again and again and again and again. Anyone can sell anything once. Mm. Selling something once is relatively easy. Yeah. Get someone to buy it again. And I know people, I go to people's house and they've got 30 grenade bottles on the shelf and they've been living on it for like 10 years. Yeah. And they won't throw the bottles away because mm. there's, there's that much kind of value to them because it's something quite, uh, quite tangible. Um, yeah, people can't throw those grenade bottles in the yeah. bin. Mm. Which is uh, which is quite quite nice as well, um, but I, I guess yeah, getting people to take it seriously, and that that took some time as, as a product people I think wanted to dislike, and then kind of actually ended up thinking, do you know what, that's 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 bloody good. That was my favourite error review. Actually, someone put a review in early on and said I really wanted to hate this, and, uh, and actually it's the best way I've ever tried. <laughs> but it's really nice to get yeah. something like that. So yeah. that there, there's a few 
obvious Love it. early challenge, which is still challenges. Yeah. Okay. These never go away as well. What? A lot of these challenges never go away. Oh, I thought you were talking about the questions. <laughs> they never oh, yeah, go they're, away. yeah they're, they're pretty relentless. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, the no, challenges, course, challenges yeah. never go away. No. Um, just how get many bigger. people have got businesses where there's not a challenge? No one. They just get bigger. Yeah. I think people have this naive fancy, don't they, that it will get easier. And do you know why as well? That's why you have to learn when it's small. Yeah. And the best tip I could give them for starting a business is start small and learn. When it does hurt you, but proportionately it probably hurts you a bit less. Yeah. So that's the time to make the mistakes. Yeah. And I think sometimes if businesses grow too quickly, and I've seen this, they, they have like what looks like a seamless growth of however long, five, ten years. And then all of a sudden, but they've learned nothing because they've had a lot of tailwinds. And all of a sudden then things get hard and they haven't learned the basics. Yeah. And, you know, maybe they just got, I don't believe in this, but maybe just got slightly lucky. They've had a few tailwinds and then it goes horribly wrong and they're like, shit, they, they, they haven't learned anything. And one thing I can genuinely say about Grenade is we've never been lucky. Yeah. We've, we've earned absolutely everything. You know, we've worked, and anyone knows us knows this, we've worked way harder than most. Yeah. We certainly aren't sitting here just by being lucky. Yeah. All right, great. So we've got one more from the community. Mm -hmm. um, then you wanted to wander around, didn't you, Harry? All right, we'll do that if that's all right. You can't go my underwear drawer. Though. I found him in my underwear drawer earlier. I was slightly, slightly got my pants on his head. I was a little bit worried. <laughs> slightly creepy. With grenade. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> he was. Yeah. <laughs> that's probably your fantasy, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah I really, I've dreamt about Harry coming yeah. around and going yeah. through my underwear yeah. drawer. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, that's, that's is, yeah. Having hashtag, grenade hashtag on the crotch. Yeah, yeah. hashtag standard. Yeah. Um, Okay, so loads of people asked, and it'd be good to get like a, a summarised history because it'd be nice to get this in, not a soundbite, but a relatively short piece. I don't do soundbites, you've no. learned that by now. But we've got we've picked <laughs> some good ones. Harry yeah. will be loving this, I can tell you, because I'm listening to this, I'm going, that's great, that's great, that's great, that's great. And he, he will love this. Wall to wall wisdom. Um, exactly. Subscribe to Paul the Pin. <laughs> do, you want to, do you want to plug it anymore? <laughs> Not really, no, no, no. I've got the message now. I've, right. I've, probably, I've got most of your followers at this point yeah. now, all, all four of them. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. him off again. So, He's very easily phased. I'm just taking a breath. <laughs> I'm okay. just enjoying the moment, being present, enjoying the journey. Basking, basking enjoy the journey, yes. basking the ambience. Can I ask this question the protein now? Bars. Yeah, I, sorry, yeah, go on. Last question. Yeah. Sorry, go on. All right. So loads of people wanted to know, there's the story that you went down to 27 quid in the bank, then you um, sold shares in your company for 30-odd, and then you sold shares in your company again for 70-odd. And some people have said, well, he didn't sell the company, he sold shares. And it seems to be a bit of, there's lots of different stories. So can you take us on zero, 34 million, 72 million, how much of the company you sold, how much you retained, etc. Yeah, no problem yeah. at all. So, yeah, people always get these, these things confused. So uh, we, the first... Uh, investment that we had was after four years in business. So we started in 2010. We never took a day off. We never took a salary. We accrued for, my accountant made us accrue for like 500 quid a month each, yeah. just for tax reasons, which we never actually took. So it rolled up as a director's loan. So we genuinely never took a penny out of the business for four years. By 2014, then we'd got about 5 million in revenue and about 54% EBITDA. So uh, really profitable, mm -hmm. but it's kind of at that stage, it's me and Jules and four cats mm. um, pretty much. So uh, as uh, genuinely, and there's, there were kind of six of us in, in total, but very much predicated on, on Jules and I. And then we started getting approaches by private equity firms. And I generally wasn't really that interested to be perfectly honest. And uh, we met one uh, growth point capital who we really liked. They were just a bit different. And the, the one of the main things about them was, 
um, they, again, super clever people. We're still great friends now. We've actually been really lucky with both our private equity investments, uh, to be honest, of getting good people to work with. Um, but with, with GrowthPoint, they owned a tiny share, like 1% share of Rontech, mm. petrol station business. Mm. And this was just as we were thinking about bars. And I knew that we had to get bars into petrol stations right. to, to have white space in front of us because with our sports nutrition stuff, the specialised stuff, all the places that you needed to be, we were. Mm. So there kind of no white space left. And, you know, these are fairly expensive specialised products. So we wanted to get bars into petrol stations to become the Red Bull of sports nutrition and have stuff that was 250 and as well as stuff that was 50, 60 quid. So uh, GrowthPoint came in. They valued the business at 35 million. We sold a majority to them, but only just just a majority. So we broadly kept half yeah. of the business and sold half. And then we and by sold hit, it for how much? Uh, Thirty five million. Yeah. So and then by having um, hitting some targets, then so, so was the company valued at thirty five million, or did you sell your share? Yeah, no, for the company million? the EV the company valuation was thirty five million, yeah, yeah. and then so we yeah so we we sold uh, just over fifty percent, yeah. and then we earned some shares back by hitting our targets right. and then the next time round then in and then we worked with growth for three years and and this was just so we could literally hit the reset button and carry on because all this is is really risky mm. and everyone says oh you know do you regret doing it and there's days i do and there's days i don't you are where you are and i know plenty of people have built monstrous businesses with valuations in the billions and they've lost a lot mm. i know people have done it multiple times so at some point as well the reality kicks in and I don't think there's anything wrong with just kind of taking some cash off the table yeah. just to have something to show mm. for your hard work. So how much of the money that you got did you put take off the table and reinvest into the business? We So the, the grenade never needed any cash investment itself. Right. It was so you took it all cash, off the so table? We took it all off the table right. for, for us. Yeah. And then, you know, broadly owning just under half the company. Yeah. And... Um, and then we, we actually bought property with it. So we, those, so we turned that into like passive investments through commercial property, yeah. um, which is, you know, for us, not, it's sexy. It's not as sexy as running a brand, mm. but again, we love business and the nice investments and the good tenants and yeah. it doesn't need much time uh, in order to, you know, generate revenue. So uh, we did that and then worked with GrowthPoint for three years. They exited in 2017. Right. Lion Capital came in. They valued the business at 72 million. Yeah. And again, we broadly sold half our shares and kept half our shares. Right. So then as it stands now, we've got just under 30%, Jules and I. Yeah. Uh, and then some other investors and then Lion have got a roundabout and just just short of 60. And um, what's the company roughly worth now, would you say? Has it been it's valued? A, it's a tricky one with this because no one's come in with a clean valuation since mm. that 72 million. Um I don't I don't know. I mean did you say it's quarter of a billion turnover, I, is it? Uh, no, not turnover. No, no I mean, I, I, I always say I want to build a billion-dollar brand yeah. in terms of retail sales. So I'd, that, that, I would love to do that, and I think that's very much doable. But that would be um, – that's probably, a, you know, a, a five-year plan. I would think now if someone were to come in, we'd be worth – depends what who it was yeah. and how much they wanted it. And it's going to sound like a really broad range, but – Anything between 150 to 250 million value, yeah, certainly wouldn't wouldn't surprise us in mm. the slightest. We're in absolutely no rush to sell. And I say we, as in Lyndon from Lion, very relaxed. We've got a great relationship. He gets it. He's a fantastic entrepreneur in his own right as well, which is really nice from private equity. Yeah. Um. So he's he's super relaxed. I'm very relaxed. We've got lots and lots of stuff in the pipeline. We're enjoying it. 
and what we're doing seems to be working and yeah there's there's not much that's phasing us and we've got plenty of energy and plenty of ideas so we aren't scratching around looking at where you know where the next ideas are coming from and like i said i think we've probably launched our best ever flavor bar yesterday right so and we've still got things like the hot air balloon and other stuff to talk about. and there's lots of other things there's there's tv shows and all sorts in the pipeline so there's plenty to go after yeah uh, and plenty of things we can improve on so and i'm 43 mm. so and i'm one of the oldest people in the building so yeah um you know, as long as I've got plenty of energy to, to keep going, it's it's not a problem to keep going. Um, and I, I guess that's evaluation. I mean, you know, who knows? Mm. If somebody just wants to come in and, and, and take us out, it, it could potentially be be much higher because if you were a big FMCG brand, um, we're doing a lot of really interesting stuff. You know, we've got we've got loads of fantastic shelf space. Um, the sales are really strong and consistent and growing and we're growing the category and growing our market share. Our market share grew 5% in January alone. Yeah. So there's still, uh, you know, to, to 45% market share. Um, and we've got some really interesting distribution agreements, for instance, coming up soon, which can't talk about yet, but we'll announce hopefully in the next month, um, which will kind of shock people in terms of how good they are. It's kind of like the shell thing where there's just a handful of people that have got them and we're in, we're in there. So, it comes back to what I said at the very start, where I just feel like we're getting started. Mm. Um, so, yeah, valuation is a tricky one. And it isn't something, actually, I, I kind of care about or, no. or worry about because it's it's not really for sale. So it's like, you know, it doesn't really matter if your house is worth £10 or £10 million if you're not selling it. Yeah. Um, so it'd be interesting to see. I think potentially at some point someone will just come in out of the blue and just really want to take this out. And then it'd be an interesting... It'd be an interesting day because, you know, will they or won't want me? You know, will I will I be forced to leave? Will I be forced to stay? Um, you know, who knows? But I think I'll always be the guy that started Grenade with and Jules will always be the you know the co-founder of Grenade. So no one can ever take that off us. No. And uh, as you know, in business, we get so many interesting offers every day. I'll just go and do something else. Yeah, I'll keep hopefully keep up the flying. Um. And yeah, and, and maybe that's a year away. Maybe it's twenty years mm. away. Uh, you know, who Seem knows? Relaxed and it, about it. Yeah, and it'll yeah. be it, and it'll be a happy day, and it'll be a sad day. Mm. Uh, you know, in that respect. But the interesting thing as well is we've got no kids, so it's great to build a billion dollar brand. But then where does it go? Mm. So there's going to be a day where at some point I will want to just kind of have time off and travel the world and go and do things and help others and do more philanthropy and do some of the stuff I'm really passionate about, yeah. do more stuff for military charities I love doing, and, and again, carry on meeting interesting people and hopefully help them with their entrepreneurial journeys. Because yeah. like you do, I get asked to do mentorship every day and I love it, but I've got no time. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the value is an interesting one. Yeah, well, I like that. That's great. Yeah. Thank you very much. Brilliant. So we're going to do cheeky round, then walk around. Okay, yes. Right? Okay. I also, so, that was the cheeky round. No, no, no. Okay, we're doing well. We're about we're nine hours in now. Yeah. Everyone's zoomed <laughs> off. Facebook's crashed. <laughs> yeah, um, it's broken the internet. Mm. Okay. Um, what is the most money you ever made in a year? I, I guess it would probably be, it, I guess it would have been probably 2017 with the, uh, when we sold uh, some shares to Lion Capital N, I guess probably, oh, what were the numbers? See, I don't even know. Because um, it's not been a driving factor for us. I guess it probably wouldn't have been around about 18 million that yeah. chunk at that time, I guess, something like that. All right, great. Um, <clears throat> what's the most indulgent single purchase you've ever made? 
completely unnecessary, complete waste of money, oh, loads oh, of money. Oh, that's two different questions. <laughs> OK, um, answer I mean, them both. I mean, well, I mean, most indulgent purchase would be, uh, I guess, would be this house. Mm. Uh, 20,000 square foot. Yeah, but you have got to live somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I wouldn't say it's completely necessary. It isn't necessary, really, isn't it, really? Um, I suppose the most indulgent purchase of something that really is completely necessary would be, I guess, a million dollars for that aircraft, for that, yeah. for that Cirrus, for the SR-22. Yeah. Because um, I don't really need to play and do that, no. to be honest. But, but I do I do actually use it for, for work, and it's yeah. kind of quite a useful thing. And and again, it, it, it sort of pays for itself, so it's broadly. I run that as a separate business, and it yeah. pretty much breaks even, so it doesn't really cost anything. Okay. And then finally, obviously, the fitness industry, that's um, it's got a, it's an interesting industry. I'm just going to use that word. Is there any product or any person or anything in the fitness industry that needs calling out that you think is wrong, bullshit, and you've had enough of it needs calling out? And if you don't like to name people, because I respect that, it might be a product or a, a way of doing things that's bullshit. Okay, I'll tell you what then. So it surprises me. I don't think it needs calling out as such. So as I said before, we've really set the bar for how protein bars should taste and where you can put them. So, you know, we're in Costa Coffee, for instance. Mm. Cadbury's never got a chocolate bar in Costa Coffee. Yeah. So um, we're doing things that, you know, big FMCG brands have, have never done. Uh, it still surprises me when, and there's lots of good protein bars out there and they're getting better. Like I said, ours I know are the best ones, but, you know, best by how much. It surprises me how many people still launch bars that are bloody awful. And, and we try stuff and you think we try it. And we, we tried one about a month ago and it tasted like paint. And you just think, and it was quite a big, it was a big brand. And you think, who thought this tasted good at that brand? <laughs> that surprises us. And I'll tell you how bad it was. There were 60 people in the office at the time and we couldn't finish one bar between 60 people. <laughs> So, oh, just licking it, and yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and and again, I'm, there'll be people listening, thinking, "Well, that's great because that's a competitor." It is, and it isn't. The problem is that's quite a big brand, and they do get shelf space. Mm. And I won't call them out, but if if if, if say, so you've just then tried that that protein bar, and obviously you've had a, our protein bar before. Yeah. If that was, if the first protein bar you ever had was. The one that tasted like come from Dulux. I wouldn't eat. You'd um, never bars. eat a protein no. bar again, no. which is crap for my brand. Mm. So if, this comes back to the point of actually how we help everyone. Because if anyone tries a grenade bar as the first protein bar, they'll buy other brands. Mm. If they buy very often another brand, they won't buy anyone again and right. they'll never buy us. So it's actually a good example of how, in some respects, I would like competition to perhaps be better. Yeah. Because better competition would be better for everyone. Mm. Um, it's a bit of a weird answer, but yeah, that's something it's that good surprises yeah. us, perhaps. Yep. All right. Great. Thank you very much. Can we have a little walk then? Yes. Can oh, I, I use your toilet that was a first? Quick fire round. No, you can't use. The that toilet. was quick fire. Yeah. It's just your answers are fucking long. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. I can't argue with that. <laughs> Best advice and worst advice you ever received. Best advice I've ever received. I think just it sounds really stupid, but I think just uh, just just doing it yeah. with with grenade. Um, worst advice is probably the people that said don't do it. Yeah. Um, it's not difficult to find people that don't want you to do things. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the best yeah. of worst for me because that's kind of what I'm known for. I sure. mean, even being more specific, actually, I was told specifically don't do carb killer um, and just did it anyway. Yeah. So that probably would have been yeah fairly bad advice not to do it. Do you get a kick out of proving people wrong? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. You needed the camera on your head. You're a take to No. Do you get a kick of proving people wrong? No. <laughs> 
No. Yeah. <laughs> of course yeah. I do. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Do you know what as well? I think it's weird. It's being competitive. It's like being at school. When I was four, uh, was I four? No, it might have been six. I was no older than six. Um, one of the teachers had spelt a word on the board. And I put my hand up and said, oh, you've spelt that word wrong, this. And she went, no, I haven't. And she got the dictionary out. And I was right. And the word was Mississippi. It's quite a difficult word for a six-year-old to spell. Um, I think, yeah, the first time I kind of proved her wrong, I just kind of decided I'd do it my whole life, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, never be wrong, yeah. basically. If there's one person on the planet you think that we should have on our podcast, that like, you would be a fan of if you heard they were on our podcast, who would that be? Do you know what? I think it'd be nice to hear now someone like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Because, again, he's someone as a kid. I used to love the films growing up as a kid in the 80s. Yeah. And for someone who started where he did and has done what he's done, um, it's a phenomenal story, mm. you know, right up to, you know, Governor of California um, and still doing stuff now. It'd be interesting to get. Yeah. yeah. I'd love to hear an hour or so of him because I don't know actually how many interviews he really does. Mm. What are your chances of getting Arnold? Mm. What do you reckon, Any chance? I think you've, you've always... Not good. <laughs> He's probably been intimidated by, by you. I mean, not, not your legs, obviously, but... The... <laughs> Did you? We should, we should fo- every, yeah, we should focus on the leg stuff downstairs, shouldn't we? we should. have, you, have, you been dying, have you been dying your beard? All right. He has. I, 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 oh, it's just growing see, out. He's looking at the leg stuff like he just discovered fire for the first time. Do you know? He was like, I wonder what this contraption would, possi- would, would, possi- would possibly... Oh, no, we, we can see. Is there one thing wrong with the world that you'd like to change? I guess, yeah. If there is something I think, if we could wave a magic wand and resolve overnight, it's got to be conflict. I think as long as there's conflict, I know it's a big topic, but I think since the Second World War, do you know how many days there have been in the world without conflict no. since World War II ended? Six. Wow. Which is sad, isn't it, really, yeah. if you think of such a small planet and so many people. So, yeah, if you could end conflict, I think that would probably make the biggest... Mm. Change sounds weird, doesn't it? We own a tank and love guns. Yeah, you, but you could just still be in the fantasy. <laughs> exactly. Like you're yeah. In anyway. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. In your own world. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Okay. So we're gonna yeah, gonna interview Arnold in conflict. Yeah. I think we could get Arnold. I just think it's about timing to use your phrase. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where is it? We just have to keep doing what we're doing and yeah, putting the word. Out. I tell you a few times I've gone on social media and I've challenged myself to say, hey, look, I'd love to get this guest. Um, and just say, does anyone know them? Was I one of them? Uh, you were one of okay. them, yeah. And that's, I wasn't yeah. <laughs> And we've, we've ended up getting them on the show. And sometimes you think, oh, well, you know, are they too big for me? Yeah, you know, being yeah. honest. Like, yeah. I love Damien Hurst. I'd love to have him on the show. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I think, oh, it's massive ask. He wouldn't want to do something like this. And your brain goes into, I just try to think, no, forget all I that. I don't think he's far away. Just go and ask. Yeah, you probably fly over his house all the time. If you go from Gloucester to Wellsbourne, you fly over Damien's house. He's mm. around Gloucester somewhere, so I wouldn't think he's that impossible yeah. um, to do that. If not, I don't even know what he looks like. I'll pretend to be him. No, I will know. All right, then. Um, we'll, we'll keep that in for the 500th episode. <laughs> special. Yeah. yeah, I've actually got one of my cars. He was the last owner. Oh, really? Only by a coincidence. I just, yeah. just happens to be on the logbook, mm. um, which, other than being a nice story, is worth absolutely nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can we look but, in your garage? Yeah, yeah, can yeah. do, yeah. This podcast is called The Disruptive Entrepreneur. <laughs> Don't know any. No, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I bet Ollie Murs does. I bet he does. <laughs> Makes me look like some really weird sex stalker now. <laughs> I guarantee they've cropped out the bit where I explained why that was there. Actually, it's we, not a sexual ju- fetish. Just so you know, we, we don't really edit much. Okay. So let's just edit that bit. And then every, <laughs> keep everything yeah. else to make me look like a real weirdo. Yeah. What does 
disruptive mean to you? What does the word mean to you? To be disrupt, you've got to be doing what other people aren't. And I think that's the definition to me of a disruptive entrepreneur. If you're doing what others are doing and it's not disrupting the industry and making it better or turning things on its head, how are you an entrepreneur and how are you disruptive? Because mm. I just think they're two things you associate you know, with it. And for me, I always do, I'll always do things the opposite way to anyone else. Because for two, well, for, for the main reason that if I've got an idea and there's, whether it's tens or hundreds or thousands of people doing that same idea, uh, I never want to be kind of one of many. I always want to be one of one. Because if you're one of many and it works, has it worked? Because you've shared it with lots of people. Yeah. If I go the other way, and I'll give you a specific example with this. If you go the other way, and again, get it wrong, you're no worse off probably than having shared it with thousands of other people. Yeah. But if you get it right, you're, you're out there on your own. Mm. And specifically with Carb Killer, as protein bars were starting to take off in the US at this time, probably about five years ago, and there was one specific brand that was, that was growing faster than everyone else, which was Quest, and everyone wanted to go and copy Quest. And genuinely, we were the only brand that didn't. And everyone copied Quest, didn't grow. Yeah. We actually, not only we think improved on that, well, we did improve on Quest, but I was, as much as, and they did great things, I'm not knocking them, but as much as people were really talking about those bars and enjoying them, uh, actually, I wasn't. I didn't quite get it. I found them just not to my taste. I like chocolate, and it wasn't a chocolate-covered bar. So I actually went out to make a chocolate-covered version. It was harder, a lot harder. It took us two years. And it was a lot riskier, and no one had ever done it before. But this was something genuinely new and disruptive to the industry because no one had done it before. Mm. Everyone told us it couldn't be done. And two years later, you know, we, we showed it could be done. And although we couldn't prove it was going to sell, at least we'd actually done something better than others. And we'd actually, for the first time, given a really good alternative to what else was out there. And then we went that way. Everyone else went the other way. And then we got like a two-year head start because by the time people realised they got it wrong and we got it right and they all tried to copy us, we were, we were mm. away. Mm. Um, and the plan now is to get so far out of everyone else that they just can't catch us, really. Yeah. Yeah, back, just backing yourself. Yeah. Because if you don't back yourself, who else is going to back you? Mm. Love it. There's another soundbite for you. Perfect. We've got so many. <laughs> got so much yeah, now. Yeah. yeah, I've got so you many soundbites. You should do this for a living. I should do, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wall-to-wall wisdom. Promised you. Yeah. <laughs> it says Ollie Murs. <laughs> We can actually edit this to make it look like it's Kieran that's kind of like looking at adoringly. <laughs> they look, look. <laughs> they do, I know. Shot. They do they look, do look similar there, look. look. at that. I tell you what, there is one difference. Can we guess what the difference is going to be? Kieran's worked it out. Oh, yeah, the one, Ollie, Kieran's Ollie, worked it Ollie, out. Ollie, Ollie does weights. Ollie does his legs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kieran trains half his body. Brilliant. Thanks oh, so really much. really enjoyed awesome. that. No, thank, thank you. you. Likewise. Thanks, thanks for coming out your way. And that's Appreciate well, it. It's been really yeah. fun. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Hopefully that was two and a bit hours well spent. I thought I could talk, but Rob's taken that to another level. Great fun, as always, so thank you for listening. If you've liked what you've heard, then you need to subscribe to both the Disruptive Entrepreneur and also the Grenade podcast, Pull the Pin. There's plenty more where that came from on both channels. Thanks for the support.